Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag 3, whoever he is. Get your blood fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this This is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international ever to pursue. Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor Senator Braun. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? The president was naming the congressional champions on this issue, and of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind. But I think the confusing part is why, if she and the family is top of mind, does the president think that she's living and in the room? I don't find that confusing. I think many people can speak to sometimes when you have someone top of mind, they're a top of mind, exactly that. He's going to see her family in just two days, and uh, she was on top of mind. I mean, I don't, that is, <laughs> I mean, that is, uh, that is not an unusual, uh, unusual scenario. I have John Lennon top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, then we can have this conversation. Okay. You are fake news. <laughs> Very fake news. Serious? You sound like a hysterical, bleeping, snowflake, lesbo bleep. I agree with that. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. All right. America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations to both of you. You're awesome. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. Frankly, the very best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do, I'm told. This is... The Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. Happy anniversary <laughs> to Let's Go Brandon. Did you what? know? One year? One year. One year ago today. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest moment in NASCAR history. Brandon Brown drove his way to an underdog victory and I certainly am proud to have done my part to drive the meme into the ground ever since. How quickly a year goes by. I remember it like it was yesterday. And of course, it's appropriate to honor that great moment of Biden-related embarrassment with an even greater moment of Biden-related embarrassment, perhaps the greatest ever. Uh, Biden searches the room trying to find a congresswoman who, of course, died over a month ago. Whoops. And that's maybe only the secondary part of the embarrassment. Corrine Jean-Pierre struggles to explain that entire scene by saying it's just because Biden was thinking about her really, really hard that he forgot that she's dead, which is something that happens to the best of us. I know I forget. Oh, I unpopular opinion. I thought that was some excellent spin. You know, they had a meeting about that. How was that excellent spin? It makes no sense. What else are they supposed to do? He's an old damn man. Who, you think that they're supposed to come out and be like, listen, he's fucking old. He's dementia. I don't know what to tell you here. It would have been better if they just said, 
yeah uh mental mistake he just he made a mental mistake what can but I he say? was just thinking so hard about her instead they tried to make it seem like this is very normal and happens to all of us i don't see why that's confusing that if you think about a dead person very hard you suddenly believe that they're alive this was top spin this okay. top spin look at that giving kareen jean pierre credit or whoever did the writing maybe some intern under her <laughs> leadership i don't know uh top of mind either way top of mind is the new circle back so we'll talk about all that. Plus, uh, after Hurricane Ian rips through Florida, Kamala Harris says we should prioritize equity in the relief response. So if you're a white male who just lost everything in the storm, reflect upon your privilege, apparently. Uh, a natural gas pipeline or multiple pipelines, actually, between Russia and Europe are sabotaged. And everyone is uh, doing the Spider-Man meme in the weak sense, pointing at each other. We still don't have any conclusive information about who did what, but we will compare. We'll, we'll compare the competing the competing theories. I uh, they we're supposed to point the finger at Putin. I, I'm not sure I understand that theory, but we'll do our best. <clears throat> Excuse me. A um, a transgender army doctor, apparently the first transgender officer in the history of the army. I, I believe uh, a doctor at Fort Bragg in North Carolina is indicted on charges he tried to give American medical records to the Russian government. So, actual Russian collusion is the. All right. That's the allegation here. Uh, Meanwhile, of course, the economy continues to tank and NBC News says it's really just a confusing mixed bag of good news and bad news. And no one really knows where the economy is going after a 30 percent decline in certain market indexes. It's hard to tell. We might be on the cusp of a golden age of prosperity. (laughs) Who who knows? Um, Plus, before we're done, we have plenty of hoax hate, including, yes, uh, a, a new episode. It's still not done. There's a new episode in the BYU volleyball N-word hoax. That continues. There's another spinoff. Plus, we have a repeat offender from your old neck of the woods. Next time you're in Seattle, you're going to have to check out this black coffee place that uh, apparently they're more in the business of hoaxing hate. It's in Shoreline, like some... Oh, Seattle's, no, I'm not going to Shoreline. Is that uh, a bad neighborhood? Maybe they are yeah, being Shoreline's bandits. gross. Maybe it's not actually a hoax, but it appears... <laughs> that <laughs> there's they uh they're they're they've they have a new episode in their sequence of what appear to be hoaxes we'll check in on that uh and before we get out of here tonight's movie review is the patriot it's a mel gibson movie so you already know what blonde score is i can guarantee you that you don't oh really i can't wait I love me some mel gibson but this movie sucked my ball what oh, spoilers all right We'll uh, we'll catch up with your super chats in between topics uh, as well. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show, of course, because we are no good <clears throat> lowdown money grabbers. It will be all this and more on your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. Of course, that's mattchristensenmedia.com. We also have show merchandise for sale on the site. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Sonoran Defense Technologies. At Sonoran Defense Technologies, we understand that the two-way industry is a unique community with people from all walks of life who come together over the love of firearms and freedom. We also know that control and comfort when it comes to your firearms and gear is absolutely crucial. As such, we produce advanced stippling that provides a great-looking design with the performance to match. You will maintain a positive grip during even the most demanding situations, whether on duty or EDC. 
Sonoran Defense is renowned for our precision laser stippling on OEM Glock frames and CZ P0709s, which provides both aesthetic profiles and performance enhancements that are far superior to what factory textures provide the shooter. We also pride ourselves on great customer service and response time. We stand by all of our work and simply do not cut corners. It has to be perfect every time. Learn more about our brand and the full range of products and services at SonoranDefense.com. And remember, Sonoran doesn't just make the coolest custom Glocks around. They can custom laser engrave magazines, knives, drinkware. They even laser engraved the artwork on the very PC that's streaming this show right now. Get 10% off everything from our friends at Sonoran Defense using promo code G's. That is J-E-E-Z at SonoranDefense.com for 10% off. Find everything you need from Sonoran Defense plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Hero Soap Company, Western Razor Company, Phoenix Ammunition, and more. That's at MattChristensenMedia.com slash deals. Deals by listeners for listeners. Well, getting into the news, it seems like weekly, whether through Super Chat or some other reference, uh, the I Doubt It case, the infamous I Doubt It case out of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth here. I forget. Uh, no, it's Abilene. It's Abilene, Texas. That case comes up, and I always say, I need to Jen Psaki circle back because I don't know what the status of the trial is. I know it's been delayed for a million years because this happened in four years ago now in the yeah. fall of 2018. Yep. Listener Tavis emailed me the latest, finally. He did the uh, extra work that, for whatever reason, kept slipping my mind. So thank you, Tavis. This co- latest coverage is from August. The trial has been delayed again until early 2023 now. So mark is your it calendars. Is going to happen? What is the delay? Apparently this time there was some conflict because there was another murder trial scheduled for not just the same time, but actually to start on the same day. I don't know the Can't details. Can't they figure of- it out? Good Lord. I don't know. I had, I thought the guys, uh, the father and son were actually in jail. They are out. They've been out on bond since April of 2019. They do still face murder charges, though. And of course, uh, both men shot the bat wielding man, Aaron Howard, in the the dumpster dispute. Johnny had a handgun. Michael had a shotgun. So mark your calendars for perhaps January. We will have a trial to watch in that case. Also, a legal update with uh, this this North Dakota uh, murder case. Now, at least charged murder that was. Well, the guy who ran the kid down with the car said it was political, but now there's no third party confirmation of that. So anyway, and now it sounds like he just invented this, although there yeah. are some some suspicious things about this case. But Shannon Brandt, the guy that uh, the perp on here, he was initially charged with vehicular homicide, but that's been upgraded to murder, which is a double A felony. Did you know that existed? I was unaware of this. I do not know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a great felony classification. It's mind, like a so. super felony. Okay. All right. Although that's a state's issue. Um. Anyway, yeah. so this comes from the 911 call. He said, yes, I tried to take off and he wasn't going to let go of me. If I hit him, I didn't mean to. And he's subdued. I was scared to death, but he's subdued. He can't do anything to me now. This is why I'm calling you. I mean, I almost, oh God, I almost just run away, but I just thought, geez, if it was a total accident, I wouldn't be scared. But I know it was more than that. This 911 call is a disaster. But they did a um, an autopsy on the kid, and they found out that his injuries were sustained when he was in a lying position. So, like, they looked at Brant's car, and it had a little front-end damage, but not the kind of front-end damage you would expect from hitting a pedestrian 
uh, typically what happens is like you hit a pedestrian and then they go over your windshield. They break your windshield. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, I mean, it'd be like hitting a deer. You would see the sort of similar damage. Right. In this case, you he, don't. But he was already laying on the ground. And so he barely like dented his, um, his front bumper. And then the death was caused by being run over maybe repeatedly from Oof. a totally reclining position. So it looks like maybe he, he got out and kicked his ass. And then he was laying in the road and then he ran over. Him. Ah, as in the 41 year old <clears throat> beat up the 18 year old and then ran him over after he was. On That's the purely speculative. Yeah. He also could have tapped his tapped him with his car, knocked him over, then put him in, put it in reverse and then run over. If him. that was the case, though, you would think that the, the kid would have the state of mind. He would be able to react and just get out of the way of a car that's starting from a stopped position. I'm sure they were both. He was intoxicated, uh, the perp, yeah. at least. But 0.08, that's like nothing. And then um, I bet, I bet the victim was also intoxicated. Hmm. This was at 3 a.m. Well, oh golly, geez, indeed. I, I like <laughs> the phrasing of the 911 call there. Well, I, oh geez, oh man, I thought I ran him over, and I thought I know. <laughs> thought I better call you guys down at the emergency response, uh, down at the emergency response center. Wow. Okay, so. Uh, still not a lot of clarity on that, but this is officially a murder case now instead of, uh, some other form, a lower form of homicide. That is correct. Here is, uh, well, there's an update in the, uh, the saga of Alec Baldwin as well. Uh, of course we've been following the Alec Baldwin Russ story for nearly a year. That's uh, about a year old at this point too. That was last October that Alec Baldwin, of course, shot around from his revolver on the set of his movie Rust that struck both his cinematographer, Helena Hutchinson, and director Joel Souza, killing Hutchinson. Uh, This after live ammo somehow found its way not only onto the set, but into the gun that was used on the set. And it's long been speculated that Baldwin was just going to get away with it. And I say that uh, acknowledging our own speculation. I think we uh, have been thinking this might go that way for some time. Not that it's right, but given his connections and his power, that it, it might yeah. go that way. Well, not so fast, apparently, says the Santa Fe District Attorney recently. At a New Mexico Board of Finance meeting on September 20th, DA Mary Carmack Altweiss, apology for mispronunciation, I'm sure I did there, said the charges uh, that charges in this case are imminent. That doesn't necessarily mean against Baldwin, but it does include the possibility of charges against Baldwin. She says, quote, we are within weeks, if not days of receiving the final report from the sheriff's office. It's become apparent that there that we will be potentially charging between one and four people with criminal charges. And each of those charges will probably include some variation of our homicide statute. That's there's some. Who else are they hedging language there? But I don't know who the fourth is because you have Hannah Gutierrez Reed, who was the armor. Right, right. You have the prop master slash assistant director. I forget exactly what else. Of course, who's number four? Dave Halls is the is that guy. Uh, Number four. I'm not sure who she's referring to. Uh, So uh, this, of course, doesn't guarantee that Baldwin gets charged. And she does have some qualifying language there. uh, Potentially charging will probably include some variation of, of the homicide statute. But. That's a pretty strong statement saying at least someone is going to end up with criminal charges in this case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are, of course, several civil lawsuits still pending, one of them from Hutchins' family against Baldwin himself. But stand by. Apparently, we're going to get significant news in this case very soon. Well, I did mention it on Wednesday, 
but uh, we don't actually have much more significant information since then. Rapper Coolio died on Wednesday. The news broke while we were live. Under still unknown circumstances, he was found unresponsive in the bathroom at a friend's house. The L.A. County Coroner's Office has deferred the cause of death pending further investigation, including a toxicology report and autopsy. He was 59 years old. He apparently was in good health and happy in the days before his sudden death. He spoke with and took selfies with a fan at the Houston airport just last week. (laughs) And of course, uh, it spawned the obligatory. What did Coolio know about Hillary Clinton memes that have flooded Twitter? But maybe there is actually something to the tinfoil. In a recent podcast interview, Coolio explained how he knows some things uh, about some people. (laughs) like child trafficking and other general accusations that he won't discuss openly for fear of retribution against his family. Coolio forecasted his own sudden death. This is a lot of shit I know that I want to tell people. It's a lot of things that I want to teach, but I'm afraid. I have no fear of death. If somebody's after me or if somebody's watching me, then they know enough about me to know that I have no fear of death. So killing me don't mean shit. It just it just confirms that what I said was true. But I do have a fear of them hurting my family. I don't talk about everything I know because I don't want my, I don't want nobody in my family to be hurt. And that's why I did all that fentanyl. I don't know. <laughs> well, we don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it, or vaccine it, injury. Those are my running guesses. Who knows? Yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, who or what exactly he was talking about remains unknown. But. Uh... But uh, it, of course, invites your tinfoil. Uh, we did it, by the way, this week. We achieved equity. I don't care what Kamala Harris says. We achieved equity. We have finally erased all of our country's original sins. Uh, Kamala Harris may disagree, as we'll get to. But this was a uh, just a moment of incredible progress for the country. And I'm actually curious to hear what you have to say about it, because I know that inexplicably there's a little bit of Lizzo fanship in you. No, that was only when I was hella fat from being pregnant. Oh, not anymore. Lizzo's jumped the shark to oh. the best of her ability as okay. a giant, giant fat woman. Well, this progress that we, we've made is, of course, because Lizzo got to play James Madison's crystal flute on stage this week and at the Library of Congress, in fact. It's, not it a was euphemism. A, it was. Uh, wait, what? Oh, you mean not a euphemism? Doesn't it sound like some weird sex Ah, thing? I I didn't even interpret it that way. Like, Uh, hey, on Friday, you want to go play James Madison's crystal flute? That is a decrepit flute to play. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even think of that. But uh, but yes, this moment was arranged by the first black female librarian of Congress, Carla Hayden, who asked Lizzo on Twitter if she'd like the opportunity to play not just this flute, but some other flutes in their collection while she was uh, in town for a concert. Since Lizzo is a trained flutist or flautist, I've heard both terms used. I don't know. Uh, Now, not only does this moment symbolize a racial reckoning, but according to this Forbes coverage, it's important because of course, music budgets have been, have been slashed across the country especially at schools in poorer districts. So Lizzo is bringing attention to how cool flutes are to communities that might not ever know about it. This was the moment. (laughs) 
My first thought yeah. seeing that was she looks like the biggest shit ever taken stuffed into a condom. That's that's what <laughs> that she looks like. so good. Yeah. That's that. I, I mean, I wish. How do you conjure the confidence of a 300 pound black woman? Like, I wish that was in me, you know? Well, there, the. There's something there's there's some there's some confident nature in her. That is that is true. I, I certainly can't deny that. Uh, you know, it's one thing. And, and I will say there's another video of her playing at the Library of Congress. She can play the flute. I'm not. She's she's an excellent flautist. She she can play the flute. But it is another thing to get up there in this bizarre outfit and, and to make this such a historical moment and all this. Um, Lizzo posted on twitter uh nobody has ever heard this famous crystal flute before and now you have sort of to the point of she is increasing the exposure of this to people who otherwise wouldn't wouldn't know about it and i suppose that's a fair point i mean i don't know i didn't know about this flute until lizzo played it the question is though um well what does that tell us i think it tells us that we know too little about james madison and too much about lizzo that would be that is correct yeah uh, how we know much more about <laughs> the shit in a condom lady than we, do, than we do about the author of our constitution our bill of rights uh, if uh if we had i'm sure there's public polling out there but if we were to poll uh i, I would i mean i was gonna say younger people but really anybody if we ran a poll of hey describe something about james madison i'm sure people could yeah probably peg him as a a, a former president maybe a founding father in general but could they say anything more than that yeah, but we know like what Lizzo's vagina looks like. <laughs> well, okay. That from one grotesque scene to another. This actually happened uh <clears throat> I think about a this happened in 2021 as far as I can tell the origin of the clip, but it went viral this year or this uh week rather. And it's a great demonstration of the sort of Stockholm syndrome that has taken over our society in in the last 2 years plus. I, of course, have to be very careful with my phrasing, Susan, because I would never dare to suggest that there's any such thing as an adverse event related to the miraculous vaccines that have saved us all from the certain bat flu death. But uh, Canadian actress Jennifer Gibson, who I, I honestly have never heard of her until this video, but I don't know. Have you seen this woman before? Mm. OK, she's she's new to me, but she's a Canadian actress. And she claims, again, very likely, wrongly and falsely, <laughs> that one of these miracle vaccines gave her Bell's palsy or the temporary paralysis of, of half of the face. And she made this video about it, and, but insists she would do it all again because this is what we have to do to see each other. I have been diagnosed with Bell's palsy, which is paralysis on one oh, side. Oh, God. For me, it's uh, this side here, the, the left. Obviously. So I got it about two weeks after getting my vaccine and I had a rough go with the vaccine. Um, and I guess still am, but I have to say that I would do it again because it's what we have to do to see people. So, um, I don't know why I'm making this video, but here's my word smile. She's actually crying oh while God. making the video. Well, <clears throat> this is really sad on multiple levels um, because she's also telling you how important it is to continuously have human interaction yeah. for her own mental health. Uh, and so she's like, look at, look at the awful vaccine side effects I've had this I've had from this, but I would still do it just because I, I, I like all humans desperately need to be around other people. It's like, uh, 
It's like that uh, there's a great moment in The Simpsons, and I'll make another old Simpsons reference that probably nobody has seen. But have you ever seen it? You've, I think we've ta- you've seen old Simpsons, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so do you remember the, there was some context in which Mo was on top of a giant hill, and he, he had to be pushed down the hill? And I think it was Chief Wiggum said, uh, do you want us to push you down the hill, or do you just want to roll on your own accord? And he said, I'd, I'd prefer to be pushed uh, on account of my desperation for any human contact. And so he got <laughs> pushed down the hill. It's probably way funnier yeah. in the actual clip than my presentation, but the point there is, just like this, I would be willing to endure a whole lot of suffering for the mere prospect of human contact. Yeah. And the problem with this is that it it grants that premise that these people have the authority to stop you from seeing your friends and family. And indeed, as she would claim, Susan, to inflict some level of physical harm on you to do that. Now, I, I people say Bell's palsy is temporary. I can't claim it can any, be permanent. I don't know anything about it, but I can tell by just being a layman looking like that's not good. There's no arrangement under which what happened to her is good let's just leave it at that no of course not and people uh, some of the um side effects of the of the vaccine and of covid are are going to continue to go unrecognized there was this lady at the park the other day with her two-year-old and she apologized to my husband she's like i'm sorry my kid is just really weird because he hasn't been around any other kids for the last two years hmm. my husband was like what what are you, what are you talking about you you did you withheld social interaction from your child because of COVID and now they're a fucking weirdo? Was the kid weird? I don't know. I mean, he seemed like oh. a pretty standard kid, but like the mom was like, like, what are you doing up here? Like, why, why do you even live here? Um, this COVID thing, it's going to have lasting effects. What about all the, all these kids that are going to end up being obsessed with germs or like can't uh, read people's lips or, or recognize facial cues? What about stuff like that? Yeah. The Everybody's acting like this be- is fine long lasting. And I did feel a, a certain degree of sympathy or at least understanding for Jennifer Gibson watching that. Uh, and so then I. Yeah. I saw this reply from Viva Fry, our friend Viva Fry, and maybe that is uh, being too charitable because of course, Viva Fry notes that she recovered just fine. She actually took her child to a family friendly drag brunch back oh, in, back in yeah. August. So, uh, you know, I, but like, likewise, I'm sure if her kid gets molested, she would do it all again because that's what we have to do for Equality, just a you know, sacrifice in pursuit of the end. Good Lord. Well, I don't know who this guy is, but it's not only my favorite uh, video clip of the week, my favorite viral video in a while, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> TikTok videos I've ever seen. And uh, I wish I could give him a little bit more credit. I just can't figure out what his deal is by browsing his, his uh, profile. But anyway, I did play this one. Uh, a little bit of it, a little bit of it, of it at the end of my uh, latest video, but I want to highlight it again because it's it's uh, a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. This is a TikTok educator named Roger Scare. I'm going with that. S K A E R. He posted this simple lesson on the mathematics associated with fucking around and finding out. So if you would like to find out, you're going to have to fuck around at a corresponding level, and he gives you a very simple graphic presentation. Now, on the other side of it, if you would prefer not to find out, simply do not fuck around and you won't. Roger explains. And I come horizontally to my gradient line where it intersects with my gradient line. I'm going to come straight down to where it intersects with my fuck around line. That there is going to tell me how much I have to fuck around to find out what I need to find out. See, as you can see, the more you fuck around, 
the more you're going to find out. And also, if you stay down here and you never fuck around, you'll never find out. So I hope this lesson is helpful. Thank you. That guy's kind of scary. It looks like he could throw down. I looked through the rest of his profile. There was a lot of uh, like joke car repair videos. He drives some kind of Ford truck that's breaking down. I don't know what his deal is. I, there were a lot of comments of the theme. This is just like financial literacy. They don't teach you these lessons in schools anymore, and they really should. So I, I wish I could give him proper credit. It's like, like I said, it's auto repair videos and camping videos, and doesn't seem like this is a, a theme yet. Um, but if he wants a new career as a life coach, I think he probably has one. And his latest TikTok is uh, him promoting. Let me see if I can find it here. His latest TikTok is him promoting his Cameo account, which, uh, of course, is how people can get shout outs from certain individuals. So hey, if anyone wants to get uh, the show a shout out from Roger Scare, the fuck around and find out lesson man on TikTok. Uh, I, I, I might appreciate such a thing. Uh, that's at Roger Scare at R-O-G-E-R-S-K-A-E-R. And perhaps we'll have a greeting from Roger at some point. Oh was that a hiccup? Yeah. Oh. That was really adorable. Well, uh, there's no way to transition into what is terrible news, so I will just do it abruptly. Uh, we had several dozen deaths from the hurricane over the last... Uh, few days what's the current situation in florida and in the southeast i just checked uh the death toll is at 87 76 in florida and i assume the remainder in north carolina um but 771,000 homes businesses um other customers in florida did not have power as of this afternoon 7,000 in north carolina 5,700 uh, in virginia no electricity um and 1,100 people had to be rescued from just southwest and central florida over the last week so this is really serious did you see those before and after pictures yeah yeah so the brunt of the damage uh is on the the west coast the gulf coast of florida fort myers look like it looks like it took it pretty much head on you can see the before and after on the beach in fort myers through a couple photos here and uh yeah it's absolutely devastating destruction so of course uh Hoping the best for our listeners who are in that part of the country. And uh, we hope for a quick recovery for all as well. Um, the, Do you find yourself able to get emotionally invested in like natural disasters and a bunch of strangers dying and things like that? Uh, define them. I mean, obviously I have concern for that sort of thing. And I think we ought to, to help. So but, you're still able to like have compassion for strangers? Uh, well, yeah, of course. But I, oh. do you mean... I guess it depends what you mean. Is it exactly, this is not the direction I <laughs> thought we were going to go with this, but I'm just curious yeah. in this job. I just feel like you lose that part of your humanity. For yeah. me, it was about two years ago. If I don't know you or know of you and you die, I just don't care. Well, I, don't I care you, you have no, no concern for the, the damage and destruction in Florida. My world's real small right now. I'm not well, like good. I'm glad this happened. I just don't. Ah, really care okay well uh that's a clip isn't it um uh, no i i understand what you're saying that doesn't mean uh the best steel man i can give to that perspective is it's important to keep your world small however i also think that as we'll get to there's a lot of um i think there's a lot of skepticism deserved for say federal aid 
and the federal emergency response to a lot of this stuff. And the problem with dismissing this as someone else's problem and expecting big daddy government to come in and fix it all is we're going to end up with a lot we're of problems have, that way. So, and we're going to have to pay for it eventually. Yeah. To your point, like, is, is this the exact same thing as, you know, if, if my family is under immediate threat and it's in my neighborhood, well, no, it's not the exact same thing, but I think if we are concerned about our fellow man and I, and if we're concerned about um, the scale and the corruption within a federal government, we ought to take this seriously and do what we can to help. Uh, otherwise a lot of, uh, corrupt uh forces stand to benefit from oh you're the distribution totally right. of money uh, involving these things i just wonder if people are are being genuine about like actually caring about faraway parts of the world hmm. where nobody they know dies well there's it's kind uh, of a thoughts and prayers situation i'm always there, like do you actually give a shit about this? there are a couple measures there are tweets there are outward virtue signals and then there right. are either acts of support or there are uh, monetary contributions, things like that. Uh, I have, I certainly have less patience or interest in people who want to tell the world how much they support it. And I'm more interested in people who actually make an effort, uh, uh, you know, privately to handle that sort of thing. Okay. Before we move on. Also, why are people living in these hurricane consistently hurricane devastated areas? Well, it is a risk that's inherent to it. That, that is for sure. However, like if there was a horrible earthquake in Seattle, I'd be like, Yeah. Everyone knew this was going to happen. There's, like, what, I mean, we, we, our, our towns could burn down in a forest fire or Yellowstone blows up and I'm incinerated in two seconds. But um, yeah, everywhere you live has some natural disaster inherent risk. Are they all exactly oh, the same? tornadoes. Yeah. We used to have crazy yeah. tornadoes in the Midwest. So anyway. All right. Are you done getting me in a bunch of trouble? No, I got you in no trouble. Your, me- your response was measured, sensitive, no, no. blah, blah. If you got me a tr- You want to email blonde? The box is on the website. Email blonde. <laughs> no, email him and then tell him what we need to fix on the show. Yeah, well, that too. Anyway, okay. Uh, as we were talking about, issues of potential federal corruption. And this is potential at this point. As far as I've seen so far, other than Biden weirdly refusing to talk to DeSantis for like five seconds, there hasn't been a lot of... Uh, drastic misconduct or anything like that however as funds uh are going to flow into florida and other parts of the country there's going to be a lot of people with their hands on certain financial resources and how those resources get distributed are of course uh potentially subject to certain corrupt interests and those interests were articulated at least in theory by our uh vice president kamala harris When she pledged that she and Biden are going to focus on the principles of equity and environmental justice as the rebuilding process in Florida and the Southeast begins. This was at the D.C. Women's Leadership Forum in D.C. on Friday. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. And so we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Uh, no uh, do you, word have you yet, noticed when she's uh, saying something particularly obnoxious? She goes, 
Well, I mean, she always does the stupid laugh and the grin thing. That's no matter what she says. Uh, I don't I didn't see any distinction, any word yet on how many uh, how many of the dead are straight white men, as Kamala would like to see in this <laughs> equitable yeah, really. future. But it, notice the betrayal of her oath. Her oath is what? Her oath is to uphold your rights. Uh, you have a right to what? The equal application of the law, equal treatment under the law, not equal outcome in your life, regardless of your choices. And I know I'm not breaking news to most in this audience, but it's we just have to be aware of this sort of language and this sort of ideal when we hear it. There's no way mm-hmm. to achieve what she's calling equity as an equal outcome, regardless of your personal choices without violating the rights that she swore an oath to uphold. There's no way to achieve. There's no way to achieve what she's talking about in general, because it would require erasing all freedom and erasing the natural differences between individuals that produce the sort of unequal outcomes that she hates. That's what she wants. There's no way why she's in office though. Yeah. uh, There's, there's no way to even try it without the intentional violation of rights as in taking from some people and giving it to others by force. Yeah. So just an absolute betrayal of the entire purpose. Her office exists, uh, the entire oath that she swears in serving in that office. And once again, we, uh, we sit back and, and and actually she's the one cackling. She's out cackling us. She is. So make of that what you will. Now the FEMA administrator, uh, responded to that comment this morning on face the nation. This is Deanne Criswell who is the FEMA administrator and uh, assures everyone that hurricane Ian relief will be provided quote to all communities. She said, quote, our programs support everybody. I would say, I believe some of the things the vice president was talking about are the long-term recovery and rebuilding these communities to be able to withstand disasters so they can have less impact. Okay. We're talking, Oh, she's not talking about right now as in giving only racial minorities or only women in Florida, a bottle of water or something like that. She's talking about rebuilding these communities in the future such that I don't, the, the, the black neighborhood or the single mom neighborhood has extra reinforced levies or something like that. Again, though, even if you're talking long-term, if your plan is to achieve that through the confiscation and redistribution of resources in some centralized wise plan, is that moral anyway? Yeah. Does that secure our rights? Any- no, no. I did. So this distinction actually doesn't matter to me very much. I don't care if it's long term or short term stealing from some people to give it to others based on some subjective assessment of need is always immoral. And that's not what our government exists to do. That's not why it's here. Uh, but that every, everybody thinks the opposite. The government is here to serve majority whim and take shit and give you shit. That's why well, our that is exists. what the government is now. Yeah, that basically is. So uh, even under right wing administrations, I mean, when yeah, was the, the government was the last time the government was not like that? I'm still paying to, fucking property taxes. So tell me when the government yeah. was not like this the last time. We're going to get to a movie about it at the end of the show. Yeah, really. <laughs> Circa the 1780s. Maybe. Well, actually, that predated the constitutional ratification. So if that's a term, the early 1790s. Hmm. It was pretty good then. Anyway, uh, an unnamed Florida man uh, actually lived up to that name, at least the name of Florida man. He defiantly held up a fuck Biden flag 
in the hurricane winds. I like that Florida energy, that old man energy. Good. Well, see that now you're sympathizing with Floridians. I like this. This is really turned around. Now, I like um, Floridians. In past times, I, I wasn't a big fan of this sort of politicization. <laughs> but um, but hey, but now, now. <laughs> well, now I think if he's going to call you an extremist domestic terrorist, yeah. you might as well lean into that a little bit. And frankly, this is pretty low, low grade, innocent domestic terrorism. Yeah, I, I suppose in this context, I don't have as much of a problem with it. Well, anyway, Biden, it's not like Biden is going to see and comprehend such imagery anyway, because there's nothing left in between those old man ears. I uh, I know we discussed it a bit on Wednesday on the call in show, but it's not like I can leave this one without further discussion, because I think this moment deserves serious consideration for the worst Biden gaffes of all time outside of, you know, touching and sniffing the kids and then joking about it later. And um, and then there was also the time as uh, our call screener, Dangerous Spaces, reminded us when he told a guy in a wheelchair to stand up for recognition and applause. That was <gasps> forgot about that. that, was, that might not be worse than that. I don't know. But um, but as I mentioned, of course, this is not just about what Biden said. Now, you, you're, I, I guess you're going to push back on this. I think this is one of the worst attempted explanations, even by Corrine Jean-Pierre standards. It's great. It's uh, great. From a from a clown from a clown world perspective, it might be great. But from a from a logical perspective, I don't follow it. But of course, uh, recall the late Indiana Congresswoman Jackie Wilarski. She died in a, a head on car crash with two of her staffers last month on a highway in her district. She was part of a bipartisan group of legislators who worked on a bill to convene a White House conference on food, nutrition, hunger and health. She was also chair of the House Hunger Caucus. Now, on Wednesday, this White House conference on hunger that these members of Congress were organizing, that actually happened. When Biden took the podium, all of that is the context for him acknowledging the members of Congress who built that project and then wondering why Jackie wasn't there and saying at the end of this clip, well, she was going to be here. I thought she was going to be here. She was going to be here. Something must have happened. And I want to thank all of you here for in- including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie. Are you here? Where's Jackie? <gasps> I don't think she was, was going to be here. <laughs> It's so bad. It's so cringy. Well, uh, when Walorski died in early August, the White House released a statement ostensibly from Biden himself uh, in which he said, Jill and I are shocked and saddened by the death of Congresswoman Jackie Walorski. It must have been so, so shocking, so traumatizing. His his brain erased the memory of it. I didn't know this until earlier today. But apparently this conference included even a video tribute to Walorski. And I didn't know. Well, did that happen after he tried to find her? That's awkward enough. It better have. According to Greg Price on Twitter, and I I haven't seen additional confirmation of this, but his his tweet says there was a tribute video to the late Congresswoman Walorski uh, Walorski that was played at the event right before Joe Biden (gasps) spoke. No, I haven't seen video confirmation of that. That might be out there. 
Uh, so if that's the case, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, atrociously bad. It's already atrociously bad, but th- that's even worse. And we all know what happened here. You don't need some fancy explanation. This was a senile, hardly mentally present old man simply forgetting that she's dead. This was nursing home talk. This was nursing home behavior. Uh, In any other context, I wouldn't necessarily mock an elderly person for that. That's just that is what happens with age. But it is a mockery to stand up there on the stage and try to tell us that this is somehow not what we can all see. And that this is actually very normal. It's a very normal occurrence to, that could happen to, to the sharpest among us. And and I think um, you know to the point that this is that this is, if it's a common occurrence, it's a common occurrence in the elderly. Um, I'm I'm not the sort of person who's going to diagnose dementia or something like that. But I think we all have an experience with an older person in our family or someone we knew where short term memory is not good. You can't remember what you had for right. breakfast, but yeah. the back in my day stories are very detailed, very exactly. thorough. And that's probably what's going on here. I agree. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Well, it it's uh I I would be able to sympathize with Biden if uh I weren't asked to submit to him on his every whim and if I weren't being told by people like Karine Jean-Pierre that this isn't what we very clearly can see that it is. Yeah. And so the White House refuses to acknowledge that reality. Again, Karine Jean-Pierre insists this is a, a t- uh, just it's a totally normal mistake that we all make. It's not something unique to old age or to Joe Biden himself. Because when you have somebody on the top of your mind, you often mistakenly think that they're alive when they are in fact dead. And this was so bad that even members of the White House press corps who are normally very, very friendly were, were challenging her a little bit. President was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind. Confusing part <laughs> is why, if she and the family is top of mind, does the president think that she's living and in the room? I don't find that confusing. <laughs> I mean, I think many people can speak to sometimes when you have someone top of mind, they're a top of mind, exactly that. Karine, I have John Lennon top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anyway. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon has president, then we can have this conversation. Okay. Can you explain where the mistake was made? Did the pres- was the president confused? Was something written in the teleprompter that he didn't recognize? I mean, you're jumping to a lot of conclusions. What I have said is that she was on top of mind. And that he is going to see her family in just two days' time. That is so funny. They just want to—they're just going to lie right to your face. Don't you think this is kind of awesome? Like the way that they'll just <sighs> stare deeply into your eyes and just fucking lie. Is to that you? what they you appreciate—the commitment to the bullshit? The of straight, course, it's, it's the straight like, facedness. They have no moral qualms with just lying their ass off to the general public, even though it's so obvious that the emperor has no clothes. Like he—he. He, he clearly has senile dementia. He's doing stuff like this all the time. How many video clips have we played where he's like shaking the hand of no no one? There was like another one stage, at, super at confused. FEMA or some emergency response center. I had to cut that because it's like, all right, I've seen this uh, a million times by now. I mean, the commitment to the bit. You got to give them credit. Well, the, the The logic of this. When you write a bill for John Lennon, then we can have this conversation. Well, first of all, 
this conversation is completely appropriate. Okay. What did the president mean is the entire question that defines your job, Kareem. That is why you're there. So to act like that's an invalid question is to deny your entire job itself. But the logic in this John Lennon bit is, is none. Does she mean to say that when you are president and you sign laws, then you will commonly mistake dead people for living ones? I've never heard any other. I don't even know where she was going with that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to follow the logic, which is a fool's errand. Uh, but if that's the case, why haven't we heard this same sort of thing from prior presidents before? It's not common, at least that I've heard or seen. And this this logic, well, uh, top of mind, because he was he's going to go meet her family in a couple days. OK, what is yeah? Why does, does he plan to meet her family? Is it right. because there is a significant event that happened to prompt that meeting? How could you be? <laughs> oh, right. I have to go uh, meet this person's family after the funeral, which reminds me that guy's actually alive. How? <laughs> OK. Uh, and, and I mean, uh, the, her, her death is the entire basis for the meeting. So it yeah. seems impossible to associate the meeting with with her being alive. And 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 to Corrine Jean-Pierre's point that this is somehow common. Oh, many, many people do not have this experience. I've never outside of a again, a nursing home context. I've never heard of anyone um, make yeah, this no, sort no. of mistake yeah. before. But I don't mean to be too dismissive of Corrine because. You know, that's just a few clips from an hour's press conference. She did have, uh, I think, a fair point that was not necessarily emphasized. I think it's worthy of uh, at least some consideration. Top of mind, top of mind, top of mind. I just I just explained she was on top of mind, Uh, um, you know, top of mind, 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 on top of mind. So just in the interest of fairness. You know, if you say things enough time, why do people on the right not do stuff like this? You commit to a lie. You look into someone's face. You lie to them, even though everyone knows you're lying. And then you just repeat the lie. Well, repeat it over and over and over again. Some might say that the truth is the highest value there is. Yeah. uh, You know, then there's winning. You can't you can't count out winning, I guess. It's true. That cut was courtesy of uh, our friend Frank over it, quite frankly. And I'm pretty sure that's not even all the uses of the phrase that seriously. Were, I think that's I don't think that's complete. If you do a search on the transcript, I think there are more. Anyway, this is um this is the new circle back. This is the new four or five days ago. <laughs> Just top of mind. Whatever the problem is, top of mind. Everything goes away. Now, Kareem Jean-Pierre's job is to try to make sense of such events in a way that puts the president in a positive light. Uh, If she can't convincingly spin it, maybe her media helpers can. Of course, that's not their job, but they're arguably better at it than she is. USA Today had what I thought was the best attempt. This is Jill Lawrence's op-ed published Thursday titled what Joe Biden's memory lapse about the late Jackie Walorski really told us. And no, it didn't really tell us that Joe lacks the basic mental faculties to do literally any job, let alone this job, which is quite important. The lesson is that Biden is compassionate, unlike his evil orange predecessor. So get a load of some of this language. It's unfortunate that he made the mistake. At the same time, it demonstrated a generosity and professionalism. The contrast with former President Donald Trump is glaring. So you need only to look back a couple of years to remember that some things are more important than age and a perfect memory. <laughs> oh my gosh, these people are incredible. <laughs> 
So sure, he thought a dead lady was alive, but that's only because he cares about people so very much. So, much. so just remember, Afghanistan 13, they were generously and professionally killed. Inflation. <laughs> yeah. Generously and professionally killing your savings. Even if um, illegally, you were generously and professionally coerced into taking the vaccine. So that's fine. Uh, this is a generous and professional economic downturn, not recession. <laughs> but if you want to use that word, it's a generous and professional recession. And of course, it's a very generous and professional invasion at the border. <laughs> when, they, when they say like, you, if you look back two years, you'll see in retrospect. No, no. All of those generous and professional problems. I, I wouldn't say they were absent, but they were certainly much less severe two years ago. Some of them were yeah. totally absent. We didn't have these economic problems that we have now. True. Um, but it's another world that they live in. Just think back to two years ago. I do. I wish we still had it. <laughs> Constantly. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And then you had Jackie Walorski's brother. who uh, Jackie Walorski's brother, Keith, who spoke with the New York Post this week. And uh, he, he, I would say he very maybe politely ripped, but ripped is too strong of a word. He actually just feels sorry for Biden. He said to the, to the New York Post, it's par for the course. I feel very sorry for him, really. He made a phone call after my sister was killed, and he was very sincere in his relaying the grief process because he's been through the grief process. So you know what that means. He called him up and said, hey, I'm sorry about your sister, but never forget Bo. Have I told you about Bo and how sad it was that when Bo died? That's what Joe Biden did 100%. But what does this tell us? It's not just that uh, that um, there was a, a video tribute at the event, apparently, if not right before, at the same event that Biden forgot. Biden personally called her family last Ooh. month or back in August, since we're in October yeah. now. But that's another layer of uh, just how bad this is. If Biden personally made the phone call to her family and then forgot that she died within eight weeks. Really bad. That's yeah. pretty bad. Um, so, uh, Wolarski's brother, he says it's not inexcusable or unforgivable. It's not going to hold it against him. He just feels sorry for him. That's what he says. Well, I know, I know a lot of people don't sympathize with this, but I do feel sorry for the man. I don't think he has any real political power. I don't. Wait a minute. But Let me get this straight. Sympathy for Biden, but not for storm ravaged Floridians. Well, you know, watching anybody decay into old age and die is a difficult thing. And then yeah. I, you know, he spent his entire life as a career politician thinking that he was going to end up somewhere. And now he's the president, but he doesn't have any real power. I mean, we should blame him because he's a talking head for much more insidious forces. But um, outside of that, he's he's not really orchestrating any of this. People understand that, right? Like Biden's not the guy that's I doing think, all this stuff. I think it is very fair to ask, given what we just watched, how much agency he truly has. And of course, that zero. I don't think he has any agency that, I think that he this is vary. basically elder abuse uh yeah yeah if we're not there we're right on the cusp he has um, no he has no business yeah. being in this position and that's why they wanted him because he's so malleable yeah. he's so you know easily propped up he'll do he'll read the cards he'll do what they say he'll take all the heat well how many times has he said that oh i'm not supposed to do this oh i'm not supposed to they tell me i can't do that yeah they, they told me i'm supposed to do this i'm supposed to do that and who they is or are never really explained fully. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we have uh, plenty more to get to. 
We'll get to the pipeline sabotage. We will get to uh, the transgender army doctor indicted and the rest of the show. But we are right about at the top of the hour. So it would be a good time for a break. Sure. And um, this this tranny story, man. uh, Yeah, I didn't I didn't look much at it other than I know it's a very, very historic officer in the army. The very historic photo. He's that, the uh, least passable tranny I've ever seen. He just um, put lipstick on. I was like, going to say it's, it. it's better than Dick Levine. It's be- it is better than Dick. You Levine. think so? I think so. Well, he's more jacked. This, this doctor. Yeah. Well, uh, he has a nice tone on his Adam's apple. You're right. It's <laughs> yeah, it's unmistakable. All right, Robin D. Banks. Matt and I once made love. He blew up my pipeline, then tried to say I did it to myself when I explained I have neither the motive nor the equipment to do it myself. I was called a conspiracy theorist. Ah, we will get into that. Uh, the theories of who did this and the, the motive and the means are very important. You're right. Thank you, Robin. Logged on, John. I'd like to thank everyone for an amazing show. Blonde, Matt, and the chat, and Coolio. Where's Coolio? <laughs> Coolio, are you here? I think he was going to make a... Trinado Glazer a reality. Come on, man. What I, I, was Biden trying come to say? On, man. Something about true, true international pressure or true international true international, true international something. Uh yeah, I, I did rec- Coolio did tell me he wanted to be here, but I don't know what happened to him. So God, I missed the obvious joke. There's the chat always yep. writing the jokes that I that I should think of but don't. Thank you. Ooh, Lord, this though, is John. this is rough. Jeffrey O'Neill, CDC excess deaths. 61,000 millennial, second half, 21, Q3, 21, 35 to 34, 100%. Oh, man, 648 nursing babies harmed, 52% increased cancer. Whoa. EU, 755% excess child deaths in 2022, 630% since vax, 16% excess total population, safe and effective. Is this all vaccine? Some of it's child abuse and things like that. But I think a lot of it is vaccine. And what do you think the remainder is? Um, I think you're you're insane for speculating such a thing. That's what I think. <laughs> alcohol, alcohol related deaths, um, drugs, suicide. Uh, yeah, I, I've been fascinated with that throughout the development. I, I haven't seen numbers that severe, so I'll have to look into that. But the latest numbers that I saw, of course, um, I haven't really looked at this with an eye for the vaccines necessarily. What I've looked at this uh considering as as some data have come out over the last year and change is the excess deaths that are at least in theory related to things completely unrelated uh diseases that went untreated or undiagnosed uh, right. uh deaths of despair things like drug overdoses suicides um we also have deaths associated with just taking poor care of yourself so deaths associated with obesity being overweight all that sort of thing even if the vaccines account for zero, like even if I take the Susan view of the world and it's a goose egg on vaccine related deaths, we have excess deaths across the board in a whole bunch of areas unrelated to the to the virus itself. And the latest numbers I saw and these numbers, if true, would be a continuation of that. The greatest disproportionality in the excess deaths is among young people. That's not to say that the most excess deaths are among young people because there's just more older people who die in general. Yeah. But as far as a percent increase, it's among working age people. You're talking like 18 to 50. Yep. Yeah. So Um, hmm. let's do a few more. Daniel Kungo, I donated blood at the Red Cross. And one of the questions they ask about your medical history is if I got the jab, they won't deny you either way because I'm a pure blood. But if it's safe, why ask? 
Hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe people are requesting vaccinated or unvaccinated blood. I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. I, I bet that's probably the case. Robin D. Banks, 2022 is the year of St. George. Let's keep it going and do whatever you can to stop the Antichrist. Things get hard. All we have is the truth. The secret they don't want us to know is that's all we need. Hmm. I hope so. I Thank hope people you, band together and look to God, but I'm not super optimistic about it. Hold Mulray. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That's Proverbs. This is my father world. <clears throat> oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. And that's from a 1901 hymn. Thank you, Holden. Thank you. That's uplifting. Uplifting. Um, I bought PN. No note. You're my man. And last one for right now. Robin D. Banks. No, nah, this isn't Robin. It's Jackie. I am not going to be niggardly. From beyond the veil, I remain on top of mind. Robin and Kyle, <laughs> you watch the hood, and our, uh, I and RBG will watch the sky. I... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of those sorts of memes, uh, I, I my wife told me these are common. I've not seen them. Have you seen the join us memes? Yeah, I've I did not see that until this week. But a lot of people replying to Joe Biden tweets and this whole Walorski episode with join us. And I think Walorski was edited into the the group that is to be joined in the heavenly skies. And I was looking through it. There's so many great people. Mr. Rogers, uh, the the Billy Mays, the TV yeah. salesman guy, yeah. Harambe yeah. was in there. There were a lot. Yeah. That is a uh, stroll down memory lane when you look into the join us meme. Oh, gosh. These last few years. Um, let me actually I forgot to tell you because I still have I have the new super chat system open because it's back and functional. Uh, oh. So let me just. Uh, I've been doing it the old way. Yeah, I guess so. Let reason. me read a couple of tippy streams before we get back to it. Because we abused our tippy stream chatters two weeks ago. Uh, Trav to the world says, smaller story, but did you hear this week that Hilaria and Alec Baldwin announced they're expecting another child? After everything the man has been through, <laughs> he's still Wait, not she just shooting, had a baby. shooting blanks. Yeah, she, I think maybe that's what he means. I know that their eighth child was just born. Unless she's immediately pregnant again. This can't be. She just had a baby like two weeks ago. I, yeah, I know they just had a child. So maybe that's what he means. It was number seven. Uh, I, th- I read eight, but maybe I'm wrong. Or I thought I read eight. Uh, JL. Well, the- <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but it definitely could be. Did you see that UC Berkeley is trying to make the campus a Jew free zone? By not allowing Jewish speakers and guests on the campus anymore, the dean wouldn't be able to speak Lameo. I did not see that, but I would not be surprised if there is a student effort for such a thing. Uh, Danny from Montana says, happy belated birthday, blonde. Cheers to (laughs) a prosperous year. I I first read it as a preposterous year because I love the (laughs) word preposterous. I think I used it three or four times in my movie review. A prosperous year for you, not a preposterous one. But you get a preposterous one whether you want it or not. Indeed, September birthdays are the best. I turned 28 on the 30th. Matt, you are fake news. Uh, flexing and taking gym picks increase your tea by 100% every time you eat your protein. <laughs> get your gains and hail victory. Well, I can agree with you on the premise that you know if you're if you're going and you're getting your workout in, that's better than not. But the sort of guys who pose in front of each other at the gym and take gym bathroom selfies i'm not going to say that you're cyclists but you're you're close you're getting there anyway uh happy birthday danny and uh let's see 
Uh, Trapped to the World also says, while she understandably feels no personal sadness over strangers in Florida, she has consistently <laughs> expressed sympathy for baby butcher Biden being mocked. Blonde, making the case to repeal the 19th as only she can. Well, <laughs> I, I think uh, even Blonde would probably acknowledge that you have a point there. Yeah, yeah. Shut up! Silly woman. Phil says, as academic agent says, American America really is a Lizzo nation. We worship Lizzo's <laughs> making. I have to be careful with Phil here. Make excuses for their shortcomings and generally uh, fight each of fight each other over who can heap resources and acclaim on them. It's frankly disgusting. Well, Lizzo and disgusting do go together like uh, a giant shit in a condom, you know, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> There's a match made in heaven. So racist because she's black. <laughs> well, I, you know, I have to get I have to get my kicks in once in a while. Phil also says for anyone who hasn't figured it out yet. Um, oh, Phil's getting spicy. No, I think I think this is I think this is fair for anyone who hasn't figured it out yet. White Americans are a stateless people in the current year. Every institution from government to religious uh, has a primary focus on stripping us of resources and a future. No one else is coming to save us. Well, I, if I wanted to say that that was way off base, how would I explain comments like Kamala Harris's? How would I explain? I mean, whether or not they'll succeed, I think, uh, I mean, you could argue that I guess they already have to a large degree or how far they'll push it even beyond this. Yeah. But we have people openly saying all but that, that white people have had their time and they need to be, dealt with or something like that. I mean, they need to, you know, they need to s- sit down and we need to a more equitable future in which they're punished. Trav to the world says uh, Biden's agency as president is irrelevant. He's a soulless monster who raped this country and slaughtered its children. Watching him decay is the closest thing we will see this. Uh, we will see for this creature of evil. Sympathy for him is a moral failing. Well, uh, he did do a lot of things while he was not mentally incapacitated that were quite bad. So yeah, we should focus on what he's done in his life, not what he's doing now, probably. He's definitely done some shit. That is oh, fair yeah. to say. Uh, and they're still doing some shit. We're, as we'll get to in a minute, handing over a nice big pile of uh, aid to Ukraine once again. And, and if we're supposed to believe that there aren't uh, corrupt paws digging at that. I don't know what to tell you. I forgot one from Danny from Montana as well. Having lived in many parts of Texas my whole life, all of the immigrants, I'm going to have to say... <laughs> <laughs> he's listing the types of in- immigrants according to various slur descriptions. So I cannot, I cannot read this. He's ranking them. Oh, really? He says, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know what you expect me to do with this. Danny, I can't read this at all. He just says that, that certain immigrants have a tendency to throw, their shit in the creeks because they refuse to to use the toilet. I think is what he's saying. I don't know. I wouldn't have experience with that, but I uh, I suppose that could be true. All right, let's uh, let's get back into the news. Thank you guys for the chats, and we will uh, come back to them at the uh, end of the show. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Let me find where I left off. Ah, yes, we're going to talk about the. Uh, the pipeline sabotage. And of course the sabotage is not really a point of tinfoil anymore. Pretty much everyone is saying that, uh, this was an episode of sabotage. So Uh, yeah, what are, what are the facts as we understand them? 
Denmark believes deliberate actions cause these big leaks in two natural gas pipelines that run under the Baltic Sea from Russia to Germany. So they're filled with gas, but they are not currently being used. Um, so a lot of seismologists and other people have confirmed that powerful explosions preceded these leaks. So I think that sabotage is clearly the only answer. And that's the key to explosions, plural, multiple, multiple sites of leakage, multiple blasts. Uh, unless, I mean, this would have to be an unbelievable coincidence for it to be anything other than someone's intentional destruction. Yes. Um, so neither pipeline is currently supplying gas to Europe, but obviously this has something to do with the energy standoff between Russia um, and the war with Ukraine. So I guess the general consensus here is that this was punitive, right? Should what, we get into consens these? consensus among whom? Uh, I think, okay, European leaders are saying that. And okay, ignoring like, who this was, okay, that this was a a, a reaction and, and a punitive measure to prevent any gas from being carried to Europe this winter. Oh, well, yeah, that whoever whoever's doing this is certainly preventing that. And to emphasize the point as as that you made, this is not stopping the flow of natural gas right now, but it is cutting off an option. Let's say mm -hmm. that Europe. They, they've they've stopped their flow of natural gas for now, but it's also not winter right now. So as the price of natural gas might increase, as supply gets shorter, as Europe gets colder, maybe they decide uh, we've had enough shivering. Let's uh, call up Putin and turn some of the uh, turn some of the pipelines back on. This would, if not eliminate, damage the prospect of that happening. So whoever did this, to the extent that we grant it was intentional, is operating with that goal in mind. I think that's and Europe fair to cut say. off Russia earlier this year, so you know, Russia cutting off Europe. Maybe um, it sh I should also note one point in the fact pattern I, I forgot to mention: uh, the the actual blast sites are right there in between Sweden and Germany. Hmm. They are not on the Russian side of the pipeline. So this pipeline goes from. Um, the eastern side of Finland, which is Russia there, through the Baltic Sea and down to Germany. And the blasts were not far off the coast of Germany and Sweden in the Baltic Sea. Hmm. So the theories of who done it. Now, if we you ask, it. if you ask uh, the Europeans and by the Europeans, I mean uh, like the EU. And if you ask uh, President Biden and the Americans, or at least the American government, were supposed to believe that Putin did this uh, to provoke NATO. That was uh, the segment I watched with Chuck Todd on uh, on MSNBC, or NBC rather, is that Putin did this to piss off uh, European NATO countries so that they feel uh, justified in retaliation. And escalating into a war and then Putin could claim defense. So Putin wants European forces, NATO forces to retaliate against him because they think that he did it, even if he did actually do it. And then he could say to the Russian people and his allies, oh, see, Europe is attacking me. Now right. I'm now mm -hmm. I'm acting defensively. Yeah, uh -uh. I'm not buying it. That, that's the theory. Uh, the theory that the U.S. did this or somebody serving the U.S. did this, uh, 
it is notable that the U.S. has become the number one exporter of natural gas to Europe after Europe cut off Russian natural gas earlier in the year. So if the Germans, as we mentioned, if the Germans or the Europeans cave this winter and they want to warm up a little bit or maybe pay less money to warm up a little bit, they could, in theory, buy Russian natural gas again. This move, to the extent that it's damaged the flow of that gas, would damage or eliminate that option. So there's potentially a, a U.S. competitive advantage to be gained by that is compelling disrupting that flow, or at least that the possibility of that flow. And the, then the suggestion that Putin did it to the American people will also um, encourage public support towards Ukraine. Yes. And uh, of course, what do we know about Ukraine? Uh, the Biden family has been entangled in natural gas in Ukraine for some time. See Burisma. This move would, in theory, be beneficial for Ukrainian energy. This is so corrupt. There's a theory, if not weak evidence, that maybe the Ukrainians themselves did it. Uh, if Ukrainian energy benefits, as we just mentioned, maybe it's not the U.S. acting on behalf of Ukraine. Maybe it's Ukraine themselves. With... Um, with the added benefit of blaming Russia, they could further siphon off resources from the West to fight them. Uh, but there's an article that's just kind of in theory. As far as tangible evidence, there's an article in the German magazine Der Spiegel that claims the U.S. Secret Service tapped uh, some Russian phone lines and learned that Russia had expressed suspicion that Kiev was planning an attack on this pipeline. According to the report, the Ukrainians are accused of trying to rent a boat in Sweden for this purpose. The CIA gave this information to the Germans, though reportedly the CIA did not consider it to be completely credible. That that tip was sometime over the summer. Okay. This is just as reported in a German magazine. I've not seen substantiating confirmation of that, but it is reported. Mm. And then um, a listener contribution, a friend of the show messaged me and, and asked me, what do you think um, about the possibility that China did it? China did it to damage everybody, Russia, Europe, and the U.S., if only through blame. China has something of a weak alliance with Russia, if only because they're sort of the, the uh, cast outs of the rest of the world. But mm, nope, there's America written all over it. What do you think? <laughs> Well, I uh, I have some thoughts about I, I'm not prepared, obviously, to assign definitive blame to anybody. I have some thoughts about it. But before I get to them, I do want to make note that what we're hearing is something of a familiar script. Again, this is not me saying that the U.S. did it. It's also not me saying that the U.S. did not do it. But I'm just noticing the trend of our officials finding silver linings in what happened oh man oil prices are through the roof but isn't it sweet that uh this really incentivizes everyone to buy electric cars yeah. and all that kind of nonsense well on that theme here's secretary of state antony blinken speaking with reporters on friday saying the pipeline explosions are a tremendous opportunity to diminish russian energy where's my uh, i lost my clip hold on oh here it is there we go this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. That's very significant and that offers tremendous um, 
strategic opportunity for um, for the years to come. Okay. Good lord. That's borderline quiet part out loud, but all right. Really shouldn't be admitting that. So. I, I, my thoughts on this, I don't mean to say that it's inconceivable that, that somebody else did this. And I, by somebody else, I mean not a United States or United States allied or associated actor. It's just that Putin doing this makes little sense to me. That doesn't mean he didn't, yeah. but I don't understand the, if he did, I don't understand the thinking. There's something I'm missing because number one, he controls the pipeline valves. If yeah. he wanted the gas not to flow, he can simply turn it off. Um, and, it, and you know, as it, as it was already, at least by Europe's decision. And, it, and if I, if the theory is that this is Putin's, his intent is to provoke. Well, there's also a certain provocation to just openly denying energy for political reasons that could be seen as provocative as well. And if he wants people to provoke, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want the blame assigned to you? Why hide the blame if you're intending I guess I guess if you're trying to to keep that defensive, that plausible defensive deniability to your own population, that's why you hide the ball. If I buy this theory, but I just have trouble reconciling the idea that if it's intentional provocation, he's also hiding the provocation. It seems like there's some level of a contradiction there. Maybe I'm not fully understanding it, but it's also weird to to sabotage something you have full control of anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Whoever did this. And, and I'm not prepared to, to make some definitive statement about who did or did not. I don't have a, any particular expertise in this part of the world. But I, I view this uh, as somebody who, in all likelihood, probably has some uh, investment or some benefit in the continued pull of public money from our country and from the rest of the West. I don't view this as necessarily an escalation toward violence or an attempt to try to to provoke violence as much as it is to... Uh, maintain the conflict, I suppose, I suppose you could say maintain uh, just get people to keep investing. So just keep pumping money into this conflict. Speaking of Congress passed a bill uh, this week to avoid a government shutdown, temporary spending bill. And it included, yes, another $12.3 billion from Ukraine. So, there's this obviously has something to do with Ukraine to the extent that I believe Ukraine is a giant money laundering operation. <laughs> I'm going to assume that this fits somewhere in the scheme. That is the giant money laundering operation in Ukraine. Yeah. Who that implicates. I don't I, 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 I can't say with uh, any specific terms, but the Putin theory just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense to anybody. Nobody really believes that. Maybe I've just been blinded by Pootler's charm. He has hypnotized me or something like that. Anyway, did you have more thoughts on who who may have done it? I mean, we clearly did. However, um, for people that are just coming around now to the extent of our government's corruption, we do stuff like this all the time. Wouldn't be the the first time we've meddled in foreign affairs destructively. Mm, Right. Um, to, to cast aspersions on another group of people or to redirect the narrative. I mean, this is just right out of the U.S. playbook. It's funny. I've kind of gone back right to where I was when I was like 18, just thinking that the U.S. was the was the problem in, on the international stage. And I'm, I'm right back there. Huh. Hmm. The circle but, of life. Yeah. I mean, uh, this this definitely reads like something we would do. 
Well, I'm trying to be rational about it. I know that at this point I have such a distrust of the powers that be in this country that I have uh, I have an inclination to believe the worst about them, even when it's not fully substantiated. So, you know, I, if I had to push back on my own perspective, I would say you would think that. <laughs> but yeah. But but I'm basing that sort of suspicion on how the worst of almost every single story tends to come true. The conspiracy theory, the tinfoil tends to be more correct than not over time. It's not like I have some smoking gun that I can pin it on the people who did this. It's just as a general rule, when information is lacking, take what the the powers that be in Washington, D.C. says, take the powers that be at the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and the rest of them. Whatever they say, the opposite is probably closer to the truth. Don't don't make any firm and conclusions off that. Whatever they're saying is a conspiracy theory. They often do this thing, this like this Fed posting thing, where they create this narrative surround like like the vaccine. Like um, if you if you think the vaccine causes myocarditis, you're a conspiracy theorist. And then when it actually does, you've already prepared the narrative for um for accepting the information. So when that information comes out, you can you already have everybody believing. That it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, speaking of, <laughs> I don't know. I guess that wasn't Russian collusion, but this is apparently Russian collusion. Now we get to evaluate this Adam's apple on this. Uh, the first trans officer in the army, this doctor. Something is up. I don't even know if I believe this real, the the tranny story. Something is going on here, but um, we actually talked about this guy, Jamie Lee Henry, this uh, non-tranny tranny. This was a while back. Uh, do you have his picture pulled up right now? I do. I have a very large one. I can make it smaller. This dude, all he did was put on lipstick and earrings and a necklace. That's it. That's it. Got He's a, got a wife and kids. Got it's a, like, what are you doing, bro? A wavy haircut. <laughs> I yeah, guess. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's like the least passable tranny I've ever seen. But he got indicted by a federal grand jury um, this week on charges of conspiracy and wrongful disclosure of individually identifiable health information. And so did his wife of a different name, Anna Jabrilian. Okay. Jabrilian. I don't know if I'm saying that right. So according to prosecutors, the couple met last month with an undercover, with an actual glowy undercover FBI <laughs> agent pose, posing as a Russian diplomat. And they willingly offered medical information from Fort Bragg where he works. Um, and then his wife who is an anesthesiologist at Johns Hopkins, our most elite medical institution in this country. Can you believe this shit? An anesthesiologist, which is a really difficult job, yeah. married to a fucking tranny. It's well, wild. This I is guess, wild stuff. When did he transition to? Because if they have a kid together, were they married husband and wife and then they suddenly became lesbians or something? 2015. Okay. So, you know, I don't think he's cut it off. Anyway, so his wife told the undercover agent during an August 17th meeting that, quote, she was motivated by patriotism toward Russia to provide any assistance she could to Russia, even if it meant being fired or going to jail. Um, Jabrelian gave the undercover agent medical information on a spouse of someone who works in the Office of the Naval Intelligence and highlighted a medical issue that Russia could exploit. Okay. This is clearly treasonous. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, now, Henry, her training husband, a doctor at Fort Bragg, gave the same undercover agent uh, information on five patients at that military facility, presumably for the same reason. Like hmm. something that, you know how um, you couldn't be in the military because you were gay, not because they really hated fags, but because they didn't want you to be able to be blackmailed. That was the real thing. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I think it's like this. He's like, here are reasons. And then the irony of him being a tranny, this whole thing blows my mind. Um, This is a quote from him in 2015. I felt very vulnerable while being treated as a patient in the same hospital I worked as a physician. What made it worse was that as a soldier, my medical records were not private. And when the question of mental illness came up, I felt stark naked. So I guess during his transition period, (sighs) he was being treated at the hospital at Fort Bragg. And then he gave away other people's medical records. Yes. Out of sheer loyal, his wife's loyalty to Russia to was Russia. the motivating factor. That's it. Yeah, I have a little more on that. According to okay. prosecutors, he told the undercover agent he offered to join the Russian military after the invasion of Ukraine, but was rejected due to lack of combat experience. Allegedly told the agent that he believed, quote, the United States is using Ukrainians as a proxy for their own hatred towards Russia, which I actually agree with. Hmm. Um but isn't the training angle interesting? I'm wondering if that was always bullshit and he's like a deep Russia plant and he's using the tranny thing as some kind of way to be impervious to criticism from the federal government or from the army. Ah, oh, oh yeah. like this was born out of a desire to be the, 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 the transgenderism is a cover for the spying effectively. Yes. Interesting. The yeah. other question I have, uh, and I'm asking, uh, I'm not I, I don't necessarily know if you know or not, so I, I'm just I'll look into this uh, later. But do we know how the how the uh, undercover FBI agent approached these two? Because in the context of um, it you know, didn't the sound like a honeypot. And, okay, so the but I'm always I'm always wary of uh, entrapment schemes these days. Do we know how? It was actually Fang Fang, and okay. uh, she's working for the Chinese and the Russian government. I, I just wonder how did the F were they doing this, and the FBI sort of organically became aware of it, or did? And I guess maybe that's the way it went. If they had, if they had these admitted loyalties to Russia, maybe they were already engaged in this sort of behavior, and the FBI just just happened to join in on it, or were they baited into this in the way that we think about in the the Whitmer plot context or others. I don't know. I mean, it's also totally feasible that this guy, uh, you know, the tranny thing is so pervasive. It's also feasible that that, that is uh, legitimate. But I, I see the tranny thing far less in married men with children, hmm. affluent married men with children. And to your point, this is the sort of look that he could easily take off when he gets home and just be a regular guy. He didn't cut it off and he's been a tranny for what, like eight years? <laughs> it's like you're a tranny for eight years, like you, you cut your dick off. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just a cross dresser. Like, you know, you? speaking of like, don't say gay in the military, this seems like a fair compromise. You know, if, if we're expected to, if we're expected to um, pay for transgender services in, in the context of the military and other federal employees, yeah. uh, <laughs> The chopping becomes mandatory at a certain point. <laughs> I know, right? It is non-discretionary. Um, do we have special treatment of treasonous trannies? Well, we have special treatment for treason and we have special treatment for trannies. It's impossible to deny either of those things. So it does make sense if you were strategizing to combine these forces and maximize them both. That's true. I see where you're going and I can't say hang that him that's... up by his balls, but he'd probably like that. <laughs> All right, uh, we're running out of time here, and I do want to talk about um, quick on on some of the economic news. Did you have any more to say about the doctor before no. we move on? And more will right. be revealed, or not. Maybe we'll never know anything. Well, I, I assume there will be some kind of either a trial or some kind of uh, plea deal coming up later. Um, the shock of shocks, economic numbers have been revised, and they show 
worse outcomes than previously known. We knew these people were lying to us. We've been talking the last few months about the uh, inflation as the um, monthly reports have been coming out, and they continuously refer to the future as potentially recessionary. It's like, what are you talking about? This is a current recession. Uh, they're just revising. That's all. Um, so GDP contracted by 1.6 in the first three months of 2022 and 0.6% in April through June. So obviously the economy shrank for two consecutive quarters, but they were giving us this thing like that's not the actual definition. And those of them that were arguing that this was not a real recession, they were talking about the low unemployment rate, um, and the GDI, the gross domestic income, which they reported as growing at 1.8% in the first quarter and 1.4% in the second quarter. So on Thursday, the Commerce Department released revisions to the GDP um, and GDI. So GDP estimates were unchanged, but GDI estimates for the first half, first half of the year uh, were way down. First hmm. quarter GDI, which originally was 1.8, is now 0.8%. And second quarter GDI, which was 1.4%, was 0.1%. Hmm. So... Economists that wanted to skirt this recession issue, they were averaging the GDP and the GDI. Um, but when you take into account the re revised downwards GDI, um, how can you that average different metrics? I, I maybe I just don't understand, but that doesn't. No, it's total bullshit. Huh. This is bullshit. Um, but if you do that, which was their um, their method, the method of their madness. It indicates that the economy shrank 0.3% the second quarter and 0.4% in the first, which by any definition is a recession. So yes, we've been in a recession since the beginning of the year. <laughs> Everybody already fucking knew that. Why we're having this conversation. But like it's like it's like what they do with the news. They just don't cover something and it falls out of the news cycle. They'll just say whatever they want the GDP to be, and then they'll revise downwards later when nobody gives a shit. Anymore. Yeah. Well, and, and as we'll get to in a moment, they act like it's all just a big mystery anyway. And this news coverage yeah. is laughable. But that's that's part of the news we got this week. Also on the closing of uh part of the economic news, that is, on the closing of um well, in the closing of September, we have an idea for how the market performed in September. And uh, it turns out it was the worst September for the stock market since 2002. The worst month for the stock market in general since March 2020, when the market, of course, tanked due to Corona fear. So how we actually did worse now, we're what, two and a half years removed from that? Then how we did worse now than the total uncertainty of what we thought was a hugely deadly virus. That's actually amazing. How could we possibly be performing worse now than we were then? That's a feat. Uh, it was also the worst year for the major market indexes since 2008. For the first nine months of 2022, the stock market has suffered uh, three, three, straight, three straight quarters of declines. The longest losing streak for the S&P and the NASDAQ indexes since the Great Recession of 2008. And it's the Dow's longest drop in seven years. The Dow is apparently on pace for its worst year ever, in fact. And it's been around as an index since 1885. The Dow is down about 22% from January highs, of course, continues to drop. And so the geniuses over at NBC News try to tell you that somehow this news is confusing, uh, as though it's some mixed bag of good and bad, and you can't really tell where things are going to go. And, and so, sure, almost every economic indicator isn't just bad. Many of them are approaching worst ever, but... Unemployment claims have dropped and gas is down from the highest all-time price. This is their actual segment. 
if it seems like a confusing time right now with high inflation but low unemployment, if it seems like it's confusing, you're not alone. Even economists are divided over what it all means. Even more conflicting information yesterday on this issue of whether or not we're in a recession, but people are feeling the pinch. Absolutely. But this is a head scratcher, right? We've got GDP numbers showing the economy contracted this year, but applications for unemployment benefits fell to their lowest level since the spring. Meanwhile, big retailers are signaling that consumers are pulling back on their spending, but there are signs that gas prices may come down even further. Here's the big picture. The broad S&P index is now sitting at two-year lows, down 23% this year, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq has lost 31%. Inflation and recession fears are the big drivers. Okay. A third of the market value, but who knows? That might be that might be okay. Um again, as you pointed out, notice it's recession fears. It's it's yeah. recession fears that are driving this, not an actual recession. Just just fears of it. It's all in your head. Um and, and to it's it's always a head scratcher. You notice how many times they use that phrasing? What a head scratcher. Okay. I know. Here, let's let's scratch that head and solve this. Jobless claims are down from the spring. That is true. But first of all, they aren't down significantly. The, this latest report shows 1.4 million Americans seeking unemployment benefits. That's down from 1.7 million pre-COVID. So it's lower, but it's not drastically lower than it was in the quote unquote normal before all of this. A big reason why jobless claims are down, people are leaving the workforce entirely. You <laughs> vaccine mandated them out. Yeah, you mask not, mandated yeah. them out. Your nonsense created their layoffs or they just decided to retire early because it's not worth it anymore. Or perhaps they're a mom. They stay home and take care of the kids because it's yeah. not worth it anymore. They just do something else. Not seeking unemployment benefits is not a measure of economic productivity. Exactly. Actually, yeah. working is. Actually, and, and that's the only measure. And yes. And every productivity measure you have is bad, period. Yeah. Well, consumer spending is down, but gas prices uh, might be dropping as well. That's not a but. That's an and. Why do you think gas prices are dropping? Could it be because people, people were priced out? People traveling and they're priced out, yeah. People aren't taking those vacations. They're not driving far. They're being more conscientious about their gas consumption because you can't afford the luxury of a large yep. volume of gas consumption anymore. Which and in many cases- COVID. You can't even afford the car. You want to get a new car? It's not going to happen. You want to get a used car? You're going to pay an insane price for it. Well, gas consumer spending is 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 falling, but gas prices do. That's an ant. Those are related things, and they're not. It's not good in that context. I know that gas prices lower than the all time high is a relative good, but the reason that gas prices are falling in this context is not because we're doing a wonderful job on U.S. supply, U.S. production. The reason that they're falling is because consumers are running out of money. They're running yeah. out of spending power. Yep, we truly are. That's not good. I so, feel poor. What about you? Uh, well, I certainly... <laughs> the. It's it's uh I like to treat it as a game. How do you preserve the value of a dollar? That's a very <laughs> difficult thing to do these days. And I yeah. would say my track record over the last year plus is not very good. I've tried all the different options. Maybe if I put a dollar here, maybe if I put a dollar there, it does not matter. You will not preserve that value. It is all but impossible. Except for maybe ammunition, maybe uh, precious metals in that form. Maybe you maybe you That's do that true. as an investment. But, you know, it's such a it's such a risk to do anything with your money. And then it's an even larger risk to do nothing with it. So you yeah, just have to exactly, you know, hedge your bets and not listen to any of the financial experts. And, that is the game. Yeah. Like, oh, I bought, 
you know, whatever it is you convert your dollar to. I lost the lease on that one. I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, to be you confused about all of this is to be a uh, it's to be a propagandist to, to yeah. act like any of this is confusing. You have to be a propagandist. Simple as that. Uh, OK, anything else on the economy before we get to hoax hate? No, we've got we have like five hoax. Hates I'll be quick. Now, the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. backwards. You think they'll notice? Yes, the B, uh, Duke BYU, rather. The Duke BYU volleyball N-word hoax is back. No, it's not that liar Rachel Richardson and her lying dad and her lying godmother have come clean or said anything at all it's that the hoax has yet another spinoff now a reporter at the guardian is claiming he has spoken with five anonymous college women's soccer players from an undisclosed school or schools i think it's all the same incident so probably the same school but he won't say what school who say that when they played byu in 2021, some of their players knelt for the national anthem and the crowd chanted the N-word at them. Stand <laughs> up N-words. Stand up N-words. <sighs> so these players allege was chanted constantly. Again, much like the original Richardson claim, not just, I think I heard someone off in the distance say the N-word. We were chanted and call- they chanted and called us the N-word constantly throughout the match and just like the original accusation no record of any of this no witnesses willing to go on the record saying that they heard it only the anonymous people speaking with the guardian and no footage of this actually happening and once again byu is too cowardly to defend itself at all Come byu on. issued a statement saying we don't tolerate racism at all here at byu they learned nothing from the last episode now in fairness i don't think they're actually throwing their own students under the bus quite as severely as they did last time but BYU, issue a statement. You're all goddamn liars. Fuck off. That's what yeah. I want to see from the Mormons at BYU. I don't think they're going to say that. Okay. However, I you wish are, that there would be a similar sentiment in a, like a nice Mormon way. You guys are gosh darn liars, so frig off. Yeah. How about that? I like it. All right. Well, that's that's really all there is. I'm not going to sit and scrutinize this one any more than the... Uh, than the it's, it's, a, it's a rinse and repeat of the same story. So oh, yeah. yeah. We're just going to do it again. Then, on a related note... The, the Salt Lake Tribune was a big part of pushing the original hoax. And uh, from what I hear from people in, in Utah, the Salt Lake Tribune actually has biases that make the New York Times and the Washington Post blush. It, it's quite the oh, yeah. left wing publication, uh, I gather. Yeah, yeah. So I got this and this guy. OK, there are no news articles about this, which I've, I don't think I've ever seen a hoax hate that was just existed solely in a tweet. Well, he's the extremism reporter at the Salt Lake Tribune. But so why he didn't would the know. Salt Lake Tribune cover this? <laughs> Maybe he's working on an article right now. Yeah, really. Um, so this reporter says that this this lawn sign. Or, could you have it up? I have the picture up. Yeah, was planted in his home. Um, and the tweet says, "Some coward planted the sign on my front lawn late last night." It makes me sad. This kind of bigotry exists in our community. This guy. A total extremist. He's, he's he's the extremism reporter at the Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah. And his bio says, deeply rooted in history and tradition since 1969. I write about politics and extremism for the Salt Lake Tribune. Sometimes it goes well. Um, so much to unpack here. Okay. First of all, if this sign was planted in his yard, why is it vandalized? 
It's like uh, what um oh, what's her nuts? You're like a thief in the night. Oh, Donna but, Brazil. Yeah. It, this was uh, yeah. This was planted and vandalized. It's kind of like stolen and, and fake. And and fake. Yeah. It's like why would anybody do that? Like if I'm gonna plant a sign in somebody's yard, and it looks like they have like a uh, blocked letters and things like that, because the N word's very tidy, you know. Um, Stencil. Yeah. I would just I would just make a sign, you know. Like, I wouldn't steal a sign and then the, vandalize I, it and then. That's why I can't follow this because it looks like one of those signs that say in this house, we believe black lives matter and science is real. I think that's no person is illegal. I think that's what some of these words are that are left over on this sign. But then the sign comes out to read. We believe no N word F word is real. Which is clearly not true. I mean, we all saw the Jesse Smollett saga. Like everyone <laughs> knows this is real. Uh, yeah, we, we have seen that demonstration uh, convincingly to your point. I don't know, man. I don't get it. This is a clear hoax. Hate somebody in the comments. (laughs) Someone in the comments offered ten thousand dollars to catch the person that did it, but they were clearly skeptical. Ten thousand dollar reward for this? Yeah, but it was a it was a skeptic because they knew that this guy hoax hated. I see. Well, as uh, coincidence would have it, ten thousand dollar reward also happens to be present, uh, at least historically, with black coffee in. uh, just outside of Seattle, this is Shoreline, Washington. It, yes, it is a black-owned coffee shop, uncreatively called Black Coffee. And if that sounds familiar, that's because it is familiar to this show. We have discussed this establishment before because it is now several uh, several episodes deep into what I believe is clearly a business model. You just keep hoaxing the hate and you just yeah. keep cashing in. Now, Black Coffee opened in October 2020 and on their Opening day, they claimed that they were the victim of a Molotov cocktail attack that did minimal physical damage, but they insisted was an episode of uh, racially motivated vandalism and destruction. When I say minimal damage, there is a photo of it here. I I don't believe this was a Molotov cocktail. If you threw a Molotov cocktail at a building side like this, the fuel in the bottle alone would do much more significant burning then right. this is like hardly even singed. Yeah. And as yeah. far as I'm aware, investigators never actually recovered uh, evidence of a Molotov cocktail. They just said that nobody was ever uh, identified. Nobody was ever arrested. Nobody was ever yeah. charged or prosecuted. But of course, Black Coffee did raise funds for its opening off of that claim. This after they had a $100,000 Kickstarter that uh, was not successful. And I think on Kickstarter... If you don't reach your goal, all the money gets refunded. I think that's how that really? works. Really? I'm not sure. You're don't, kidding me. I, but I, I think that's how it works. So it looks like what happened originally is they had a Kickstarter. It didn't meet its goal. They didn't get their money. And so they hoax Molotov their coffee shop on its opening day to try to recover some of that loss. Wow. And it, it continued. The Day one, they had the Molotov cocktail attack. Then... Uh, A mere three months later in uh, January of 2021, they said that swastikas were scrawled outside of their uh, outside of their establishment. And in the the Molotov cocktail case, by the way, a ten thousand dollar reward was offered. As I mentioned, they never caught the guy, though, not even for 10 grand. So so. um, So, yeah, we had the the Molotov uh, incident. We had the swastika incident. uh, And then there was a third incident at black coffee. And that was people apparently just calling them and leaving them racist voicemails. And I did search a little bit. I think there might be some of these racist voicemails that you could hear, but I couldn't find them easily. So 
I didn't have a ton of time to dig into this story, but uh, they're out there if you want to find them, I'm sure. That was the third, and that was August of this year. Racist voicemails at Black Coffee. Well, now they have a fourth. Now they say that somebody broke a window, so they closed their store lobby briefly this week. And as far as I can tell, there's no indication of any racial motive at all. And like I gather from your experience with this area, this might be just kind of a rough part of town in which a window could conceivably be broken. Yes, yeah. And they're just saying that it's a racial attack without any demonstration that it was, in fact, a racial attack. Here's the news story. Popular black owned coffee shop has been targeted again by vandals. This is Black Coffee Northwest in Shoreline. You can see all the shattered windows or it's been boarded up already there. It had to close its lobby and only offer drive through today. We've reported about previous break ins, vandalism and verbal attacks. The owner says they have been repeatedly targeted ever since they opened. Right before we opened, we had a firebombing incident. We've had swastikas drawn on our building. We've had multiple windows broken. And so we've had quite a bit of vandalism um, and we're not even been here for two years yet. The owner tells us law enforcement is investigating this latest incident. Mm. But also law enforcement did not solve any of the prior claims that we reference. Yeah. No. Now, here's the kicker. When I was digging into this a little bit last night, get this. The business is actually a 501c3 organization. Now, a 501c3 organization is a tax-exempt charity, meaning that if you donate to them, number one, your your tax or your uh, donation is tax deductible, uh, deductible. But as far as I understand, they're actually not paying taxes as a business as well on right. account of their uh, charitable incorporation. Now, people who have a better understanding of tax status under the IRS might be able to correct me if I'm wrong about that. But I I guess uh, from my layman understanding here. And in fairness to Black Coffee, their claim for a charitable status is that they run youth programs at the coffee house, that they have study hall, basically, Mm -hmm. for troubled youth. And I'm not saying that's not true. I'm not saying that kids don't go there and study. I don't know. I've never been there. I just find it awfully odd that what appears to be a traditional business that otherwise would be subject to the same tax liability as anybody else somehow has a tax-exempt status and is soliciting tax-deductible donations based on what are almost yeah. certainly hoaxes. This appears to be a giant, uh, if not fraud, something very close to that. Uh, I don't want to overstate the case. I don't have proof that they're violating tax law or committing fraud. It's just the pieces here are all very strange. Your, yeah. your typical coffee shop is not a 501c3. Mm-hmm. Your typical coffee shop is also not getting molotoved and swastika and all this. Yeah, exactly. There's something going on here at this place. And I'm sure that's exactly what they're hiring all those IRS agents to investigate. I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it. Well, uh, here's some actual racism. <laughs> if you're not convinced that was real, uh, at least maybe this is a guy who uh, at least actually said the N word in Houston, a man claiming to be a solar panel panel salesman rang the doorbell of apparently a black homeowner and install instead of calling him a neighbor as he was supposedly trying to do he uh well he called him a different n-word hey sorry to bother you i'm fernando i work with peak energy we're a few doors down we're in 1845 okay so we do solar around here we're just coming around talking to neighbors uh, 
Sorry, dude. Neighbors. I apologize, man. No, man, that wasn't even... That guy should uh, work at MSNBC. Do you remember when Kobe died and the reporter said he was perfectly cast for the Los Angeles Nakers? Oh, yeah. That was a bad one. That's (laughs) right. Now, the headline says purported salesman caught on camera using a racial slur. And the reason they say purported is because that guy apparently is not a solar panel or energy salesman at all. He said that his name was Fernando and that he works for Pink Energy. And I gather Pink Energy is a real thing in Houston, apparently. He said he lives down the street, but a local news investigation shows he's not a homeowner on that street. And Pink Energy says they don't employ this person, never have. Pink Energy also notes he was not wearing their company shirt. So apparently this was some sort of gag or impersonation. Really? I guess. I guess he's just walking around the neighborhood calling people the N-word. But if the intent was to get it on video or something, it was from the homeowner's ring or doorbell camera that captured it. So I'm not sure what his bit is, but uh, all right. Anyway, uh, (laughs) another episode episode of um, an opportunistic N word. The, uh, the U S business publication fast company was hacked this week. Did you get this notification? No, I do not get Apple news notifications, so I didn't see it either, but apparently a hacker was able to send a push notification through Apple news to millions of users. What did this push notification say? <clears throat> N-words tongue my anus. Thrax was here. Thrax being the apparent moniker of the hacker. In response, Apple suspended Fast Company's Apple News account. So, some sort of security lapse that allowed the the, the push notification N-words tongue my anus. <laughs> okay. That's all I got. I told you I'd be quick. Anything else before we get to talk about your beloved Mel? No, let's talk about it. I've been I've been eager all week. I watched this like last Sunday after the show, so I've been waiting all week. In a world of movie references flying over his head, one man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show movie review. This week's movie is the 2000 Mel Gibson epic war drama, The Patriot, in which a widowed veteran resists the calls for a war for independence from Britain. But British brutality forces him anyway, and he loses two sons to the cause in which he must find meaning from movie movie picker Sergei Mel Gibson doing Mel Gibson stuff, pro-American, pro-freedom, pro-family. What's not to like, though, I gather from your tears, uh, your tease at the top of the show, you may not, in fact, like this movie. I know. Do tell. This movie was perfectly fine. It was it was adequate. It was thoroughly mediocre. Um, Once again, it was way too long. Hmm. This this director thinking that like, what was it? Two, two and a half hours something like that. I watched the extended cut. So it was nearly three. Jeez, because um, I'd already seen it, and I just wanted to see if there was stuff I missed before. I don't know. I love Mel, and watching him massacre twenty eight men with a hatchet was like just as sexual as you would expect. Okay. The whole time I was like, "Yeah, this is excellent." <laughs> um, but the emotional scenes were saccharine, and the fight scenes were way too over the top. And the love scenes were gross and I just wasn't buying any of the interpersonal relationships. And it was, I don't know, didn't 
seem like it was particularly historically accurate. I didn't spend a lot of time vetting that, so I, I wouldn't be able to say. I don't know, but because of the Mel slaughter scene, I gave it a three out of five. Just for that. I love wow. Mel Gibson. All right. But this movie was trash. I don't know. Uh, trash like except for the uh except for the ambush. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did. I liked it for all the reasons that you would expect me to like it, though. I do have a fair, a fairly long section of criticism of what I consider to be pretty trivial points. So before I get to ripping stupid things about this movie, I'll emphasize. Yeah, I like all the things you'd expect me to like about this movie. I love the setting. I love the themes of a moral fight for your rights against seemingly impossible odds. I love all of that stuff. Don't take any of my criticism to mean that I'm dismissing that stuff. It's just that I spend all of my time on my channel talking about those themes. And so I don't need to repeat them all. Yeah. Uh, But some maybe a little outside of like the revolutionary war themes, um, some subtle themes that I also appreciate or subtle lessons or points. Uh, I loved um, I. I actually loved Mel Gibson's speech before or uh, Benjamin Martin, his character speech before the the South Carolina General Assembly, yeah. where he's explaining why he opposes war. But I loved his line that an elected legislature can trample a man's rights just as easily as, easily as a king as, can. Right. And it's so, it's so important to think about that as we're constantly b- bombarded with this nonsense that our country's foremost value is democracy. No, it is not. Democratically elected tyrants are still tyrants. And yep. uh Benjamin saw it clearly, and I appreciate that. There's a lot of themes about how just talk itself uh, doesn't mean much at all, if anything at all, if it's not acted upon, if it's not enacted. And some of the more meaningful moments of the movie are these guys making that leap from just griping about things at their home or at their church to actually grabbing the rifle, joining the militia, putting their lives on the line. I love those those moments. And I say that with full acknowledgement that I'm a person who sits here and talks. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, and I, I just, I appreciated that demonstration and that bravery and that courage. And I hope that, um, that if the time comes for me to, to stand on principle in the way those characters are, that I'd be able to do it. Uh, I liked this theme that you don't actually save anybody by avoiding a necessary fight. That's uh, true. Benjamin is trying to save his sons by just avoiding the fight. But if the fight's coming for you, You don't really save anybody. He didn't want anything to do with the fight until the fight shows up at his house and his lawn effectively is a battlefield. And if that's the case, you're not saving anybody, your sons included, by just sitting on the sideline. And he learns that lesson the hard way, but um, obviously he rises to the occasion. Love the themes about not really being able to save a man from his own path. Uh, Gabriel, of course, Thomas makes his decision and he's killed for making a decision on the spot but gabriel is a soldier he wants to be a soldier he defies his father a lot of great themes there about even if you you're really worried about uh you know uh, your friend's path or in this case your son's path part of being a man is respecting another man's choices and 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 really it's only that it's it's that individual who can find his path and and you're not going to be able to persuade him against it or save him from those things and it's, it's the father-son element that really gets me because that's kind of the final threshold to cross. Uh, that, that is, um, that's exactly what raising a man means, is allowing that man to make his own decisions and, uh, and leave you in that way. Even if you're terrified that he's going to die, and even if he does die, that's a necessary part of the process. 
And it's um, just from a fatherly perspective, it's tough to watch. I know that I, I don't know what the future holds for me, but I know that when the time comes to let my son walk out there and be the man that I raised oh. and make his own decisions, even if those decisions are dangerous or fatal, that is what fatherhood and manhood uh, and, and transitioning from a son to a man and to a father is all about. So I, I appreciated those scenes. And I know maybe you thought some of the, the scene, the, the family moments were a little corny or maybe a little, I don't know, whatever, whatever your criticisms may be. I, I think that there's probably some legitimacy to that, but there were a couple of really tear jerking family moments that almost got me. I don't cry at movies and I didn't cry in this one, but when little Susan says, Papa, don't go and runs back to him. And then it's this that moment. That did of, not get you. did it? It did not get me. But man, it, it's it's the content of what she's saying, but it's the context, too. And it's like that is parenthood to leave your child to create a better future for that child. That that is that's that that is the most difficult but necessary thing that there is that there is. If you're not if you're for neglecting, a man. Yeah, if you're not building that child's future, then you're not doing your job, you know? Okay. And I suppose maybe we're looking at it from a, a traditionally male and traditionally female perspective. But the point is what he's doing is incredibly difficult, but totally necessary. That if he were to abdicate that duty, he's actually betraying her future and betraying her as a father in the process. No, Well, it did turn out really well. This country is just operating so smoothly. Well, I... Th- well, maybe it would have been better if we were still under the queen. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we we got Meghan Markle either way. So what difference does it make? Merkel? Markle? I yeah, I said, I said Markle, didn't I? Or did I say it wrong? Oh, is it, is it Merkel? Markle. M-A-R-K-L-E. Okay. Those are the things I appreciate. Uh, the stuff that I thought, and again, this is these are small points, but they, they just bug me. Okay. The, the ticky tack, but I have to mention them. The Hunter Biden dead sibling romance. Why? Yeah. Like, no, I was like, people are fine with this. Why? I get giving Benjamin a new love interest to show that life moves on, whatever. Why does it have to be his sister-in-law? And also the sister-in-law is a terrible character. She's dry. She's boring. And she has the cringiest line in the movie. Well, hey, it's a free country or at least it will be. Am I right? Oh, God, please shut up. I thought it was Anne Heche the entire movie. And my husband was like, that's not Anne Heche. It's not her. Uh, I don't know. Anne Heche rings a bell, but I can't picture her. She was just killed in a fiery fiery inferno of a car accident. Oh, yeah, that. Yes, that lady. Uh, okay. Um, what are the, uh, the, the ambush scene? I agree with you. It was overdone. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Or maybe I won't because the idea that like 20 British soldiers can't locate two kids who are sitting still. I know a few dozen yards away from them. And then that, that Benjamin attacks them all with blades and they're all standing there. Not, not only not shooting him, they all have massive bayonets on their rifles. Just one guy needs to poke him with the the bayonet and it's over. Yep. But they don't. So the ambush, I and I understand it's supposed to be at a point where Benjamin is activated and he he switches from humble farmer into ruthless killer. But it, it was a little silly. It came off a little silly to me. Nathan hiding from Tabington at Charlotte's home under the table was also preposterous. How? How? It's like, oh, he, he was tipped off because he heard you cocking the gun, but then he didn't hear you move over to the other side of the table. And also when he lifted up the tablecloth, it wasn't even touching the ground. So he could have easily seen you just sitting on the other side of the table. I know. That was silliness, but it also served no purpose. 
what was the point of that scene? Why yeah, was it? That's true. It was, a it lot was, of the scenes serve no purpose. That one was especially pointless to me. The prisoner exchange also preposterous. The idea that a guy who has ascended to a role of, of general in the British military is going to participate in an exchange of high value prisoners when he has no idea who the people actually are. Why oh, would I, you do that? I took his word for it that he said the guy called him a cheeky fellow or something. I'm sure he would be interested in the prisoner exchange. He probably would also be interested in knowing who he's trading for whom. Yeah. I don't think it would have just happened without knowing that information. So that was silliness to me. Uh, Tavington's death, the, the final fight between Benjamin and Tavington. Don't get me wrong. It's like stabbing the horse is cool. It's tense. I was entertained. But when you think that Benjamin's going to get beheaded, Tavington is just standing there. And you've got a whole bunch of Continental Army, whole bunch of militia just running by him. They're all apparently fine with a British military commander about yeah. to behead their moral leader and they don't care. Oh, yeah. is anyone going to check on Benjamin? I guess not. We're going to let him get his head chopped off. The whole it, the scene would have worked better if somehow they were isolated. Somehow they had become it just became a true one on one instead of in the middle of a fight where nobody intervenes or helps. And lastly... I hate to do it, but I kind of I got to take a little bit of a shot at my guy, John Williams, who did the music. Not because I don't love John Williams. John Williams Williams did the music. His Jurassic Park score, as I've said, maybe the greatest movie soundtrack ever. I think he kind of mailed it in, though. First of all, his musical style didn't really work for me in this context because it felt too modern. You didn't have a lot of the snare drum and the flute uh, or the fife. And and uh, maybe a bugle that you might expect for the era. But there's a certain segment, a certain section of the Patriot theme that sounds exactly like Welcome to Jurassic Park to me. Maybe it's just me, but I linked in the review. Play this part and then play that part and tell me it's not almost the exact same song. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I, I think John Williams kind of mailed it in on this one. And I say that with full respect to his creations and achievement because i i admire his work greatly but this just seemed like uh he told his intern to change a few notes here or there <laughs> last night my wife did the old if you ever play two nickelback songs over each other see how same this the two songs if you played them over each other did work together because they were at the same key same tempo that kind of stuff yeah so i don't know maybe no John, surprise there i suppose yeah but uh, overall, the broad themes that I appreciate are much more important than the uh, insignificant silliness that I've spent too much time raging against. So I did Why'd give it, it. I give it a four. Ricky, 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 Ricky. Mm, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Is this the part where you scoff at me for giving a Mel Gibson movie a decent rating? No, it's just I, I just find your rating system just inexplicable i don't find it inexplicable because you've explained it to me at length yeah but just a one for tremors and and tremors was a two the patriot is a better movie than tremors i mean i guess you can't really compare them because one is a classic american uh comedy that if you hate you have no soul and the other is a a, you know mediocre not not classically american at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true not at all classic american Uh, i don't know fine i'm not gonna stop you you've seen a lot of movies you should be proud we've been doing this for like a year right we're up to about almost 75 um but i never i I, 
every week you get a surprise. I never expected to be dismissed or lectured about liking a Mel Gibson movie. That is a twist that I did not see coming. I got to. He made some shitty movies. I haven't seen all of them, but uh, all made worse by him not getting naked in them. Hmm. (laughs) The the early vote uh, actually is is very, uh, very supportive of this movie. Two thirds of the early vote giving it a four or a five and about a quarter giving it a three. Not a lot of hate. Almost no one or two early ratings from the audience next week. Next week is edge of tomorrow because Brokeback Mountain was appropriately barely edged out. We're in danger of having to watch Brokeback Mountain. Edge of tomorrow. I'm not even familiar with this. I don't know what it, I, I watched the trailer. It's a Tom Cruise movie from 2014 in which they wear weird mech suits and it's some sort of uh, and Emily Blunt is in it and <sighs> they fight people with, with suits that kind of look like the one that's at the end of Aliens. Fine, whatever. You know, we could be watching great films, you guys. Well, you're going to have to take it up with Sergey, but that's uh, those are. Those are the the movies that were nominated and those are the audience or the movies that the audience chose. But, you know, next nominator that gets in, can you do some classics? You know, some Hitchcock. Inf- you can't tell them what to pick. But all these but, like, you know, 2000 something sci-fi movies. Matt's not getting the real experience of having watched movies his entire life through this bit. How? And that's the whole point, isn't how, it? How, the real experience defined by whom? A lot of these are on the... Uh, on the IMDb t- best 250 of all time list. That list is trash. Well, again, but was this, like 29 but, on that list. But it's this, inexplicable. But, the, but if the measure is cultural significance, all of these are culturally significant. Uh, are all of the movies we've watched are culturally significant. Yeah, I think generally. I mean, you could find you're going to tell me that Tremors is culturally significant in a way that the Patriot is not. No, they're both culturally significant. Yeah. Tremors is clearly a culturally significant movie. We all watched that movie well, growing up. I, I don't necessarily disagree. The only thing I'm trying to avoid is one person being the arbiter of what cultural significance is. No, and but I want some like some classic films clearly need to get into the mix here. Well, people can nominate that and they can vote for it. Come on, guys. Come on, <laughs> show up for us. But I don't want to I don't want to be in the business of campaigning for certain choices because that defeats the point of of allowing the audience to make the to make the choices in the first place. If you want to direct true. them to decide a certain thing, then just make the choices yourself. Anyway. Oh, what's in my eye? Maybe after Try this, it. we'll revoke their movie selecting privileges though. Cause they're going to pick Brokeback mountain. I hate to break it to you. What? Uh, the remaining October nominations are Brokeback mountain, which was barely edged out this week. The Truman show weekend at Bernie's Mulholland drive oblivion, John Q, or of course you can, vote for a randomly selected top rated movie instead. Mm. And as a reminder, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie and sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator of the month. The one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description. And of course on the homepage of the website, that is Matt Christensen media.com. All right. Just got to catch up with chat and we'll call it a night. Okie dokie. Uh, all right. Um, Nicholas H. Cheap cotton is the most expensive product in all of history. <laughs> Careful. Jeez. Uh, sorry. Knuckle hunky buck. It's amazing that after a whole year, the phrase let's go Brandon is still top of mind. That's, That's true. true. It, it has been uh, very resilient. You're right. Nuke the ice packs. Let's go Brandon. I agree. 
the pipeline bombing was done by eco terrorists and looking at the World Economic Forum and their backers. Yeah, really. It could be. Maybe. I, I suppose Maybe. that's possible. But the 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 I don't know if it's a problem. But if if the objective was to, well, I don't know. I mean, it didn't. It it wasn't carrying natural gas currently. So if it was eco terrorism, why wouldn't they go after things that were currently using the product? It was uh, probably going to end up uh, delivering to Europe. I at suppose. Some point. Yeah, I guess. I guess in fairness to that theory, everybody who whoever sabotaged it, they were operating trying to stop what it could do as opposed to what it is doing currently. That's true, regardless of who did it, I suppose. Uh, Guardian says, yes, the staffing thing sucks. I don't know what to what you're referring. <laughs> uh, Guardian, I, if you're the chatter from Wednesday, and I'm sure you probably are, I forget exactly who that was. But yes, we had a request on Wednesday to include in the we'll do it live bit at the start of the show, Bill O'Reilly's original quote, fucking thing sucks. That's and right. just because we got that chat, I thought, you know, I'm going to do right by that chatter. I'm going to keep it in there. And you're right. You single-handedly changed the show intro for at least a week. (laughs) I don't know if I'll carry on. I don't know if I'll continue, but you are the one who did it. Um, Esoteric Unbound. I didn't think that this week's movie was supposed to be The Sixth Sense. Uh, I'm not sure. There's a joke here that I don't know. That one's over my head. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Killer 8000. Uh, thank you very much. Um, some hijinks. I noticed Blonde is practicing for Halloween tonight. Maximum makeup, please. It's not so crazy. Hmm. Um, we haven't decided on our, Halloween. We haven't decided on our costumes yet. We got to talk about it. Oh, do, are you guys doing Halloween with your kid? Uh, I don't think we'll, I, we haven't made a decision on that either. He's a little young to be doing trick or treating. I mean, he can't walk. But so you, I guess you we could dress him up while he's still fat. We'll we'll probably dress him up in a costume, but we're not going to take him out. It's not like we're taking to take him to a party or he's going to go trick or treating or something like that. But mm. maybe by next year he'll be ready. Okay. Are you doing trick or treating? You doing any? Hell yeah. I think mm. we're going to go as a family of octopuses because Emily ah. is still really obsessed with octopuses. Yeah. During church this morning, she's like, draw me a mommy octopus now. I was like, shut up. I was, don't do it. You're we're back going quiet. to church, you say? I am. Yeah. yeah. I found a new church where the priest is Indian and I can understand him. And that's about the best we can do. <laughs> All right. Everything I went to is... a pre-Vatican II church and I was like, I don't fit in here and these people yeah. are never going to accept me. And I just have to accept that I'm not a pre-Vatican II Catholic and go to a post-Vatican II hmm. Catholic church. Um, I see brain. I'd be fine with Dems wiping out as much student debt as they like. With only one condition, make all new student loans from this point forward dischargeable in bankruptcy. Mm. Make risk cut both ways. That's a good idea. Why is it only student loans are not dischargeable through bankruptcy? I don't know. I, I actually, yeah, I have no idea on that. Um, but to the point, any of this student loan forgiveness, I, I would generally be an opponent of it regardless. But if we're going to entertain this at all, it has to come with reforms to the system. You can't keep the status quo and just keep feeding money into it, but say it's a fraud and then relieve people of the fraud. Yeah, you have to turn the tap off. It's the whole point. Yeah. Um, Long Don John says, Matt and I once made love in the Library of Congress. He played a killer tune on my flute that made George Madison weep. Ew. Boogeyman 917 says, I doubt it. I doubt it. It's one day. One day we'll uh, see if they get. I doubt it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> if they get justice, we'll see um, how that case ends up. Uh, <laughs> I doubt it, dude. Um, yeah. Knuckle Buck. I'm surprised Lizzo would play the flute. I always picture her playing an instrument like the trombone or maybe it's a cornucopia. 
Yeah, I think I just picture her dumping a cornucopia <laughs> in her mouth. <laughs> That's that would be That's quite on the brand. Image. Yeah. Um, slosh or the left blaming individual disasters on climate apocalypse is like accusing your neighbor of witchcraft because a clothesline fell. They use it as a weapon to bludgeon their enemies instead of something that can unite. It's true. There was that great clip of uh, Don Lemon talking to the NOAA guy, just trying to bait him. How much has climate changed? How much has climate change done uh, to to cause yeah. this hurricane? And the guy's like, Yeah, you can't really say that, man. I don't know yeah, what to yeah, tell. Yeah. Oh, but, but but things have changed. I I grew up there. And it wasn't this bad back then. Okay, thank you for the scientific data, Don, <laughs> that you grew up there and it wasn't as bad. Um, that was Robin a hilarious uh, segment. Imagine being so deluded you believe things like we need to strip away resources from these people to give to these people based on race to prove how non-racist you are. Guys, who wants to tell her? <laughs> yeah. She can't be told. She's too busy cackling. She won't be able to hear you. Nuke the ice caps. Says this is the reason the entire world is up for grabs. Hope you guys are ready for corporate governance. Uh, I'm not what, ready for that. What is the this? Um, Maybe the pipeline? Might be, yeah. Donde 2K. The real challenge is to explain how Joe is totally sentient when he's yelling about mega Republicans. Whenever he's most totalitarian and fascist, he's most clear-headed. What's up? I do have this theory that they're strategically giving him like uppers and downers. It To the point of the chatter, it does seem like when he's in double-fisted rage mode like that, that they get the cocktail right. Yeah. That there's that there is we clearly have different forms of Biden. There's a there's an enraged so-called anti-fascist Biden. And then there's confused old man Biden. And it seems like there's got to be something that explains the difference beyond just his mood, because one is completely out of it, has no idea about his surroundings, and the other is, dare I say, uh coherent. So I wonder what explains the difference. <laughs> Curtis Bartle. No, no. Thank you, sir. M dub. My 35th birthday is Tuesday. And my dad was the one who brought me to this channel about five years ago. He passed away from ALS and is on top hmm. of mind. Dad, are you listening? Cheers, guys. Thanks. I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad you're glad you're here watching. Happy birthday and uh, all the best to you and your family. And uh, thank you for honoring your dad's memory. Uh, Chris Buckley, a big donation. Shout out to the Louisiana Cajun Navy. Matt Blonde, you're still my second YouTube channel. I paid attention to you guys. Wait. Yeah. Are awesome. Blonde, of course, is as beautiful as ever. Thank you. I will take that lie um, and believe it. Thank well, you, I'm Chris. Not really appreciate it, Chris. Very much appreciated. Robin D. Banks. So let me get this straight. Nord Stream pipes blow the same day as non-Ruski Baltic pipeline opens, robbing Ruskies of bargain chip and Germany as well, but they didn't attack the Baltic pipeline, despite knowing. I'm not done. Russia blew up their $21 billion pipeline instead of its competitor after they already turned off the gas and could turn it back on. But not if it's blown up. What else do you need to know? Yeah, this clearly was not Russia. doesn't make a lot of sense uh, if, yeah. that is, if that is what we're supposed to believe. Um, Brandon Lesko, Gazprom had a contract to deliver natural gas as sanctions prevented them from doing mm. so, but also put them in breach of contract, of course, if the pipeline was blown up. Also, there are internal cars for easy delivery. Oh, interesting. I knew there was more to this story. Brandon that. Lesko, please do more media interviews, by the way. Remember how successful that was for a while? Oh, yeah. There was a guy at the Rittenhouse trial who was interviewed by the yep. AP and they put Brandon Lesko as his name. I know. What do you know. think, Brandon? That's great. 
needs yeah, to come it, back. It just fell for it every time. Slosher. Putin lost a massive carrot in negotiations. Europe will suffer this winter now. They can't trade getting energy from Russia for ending the war. Sure nice of Putin to help the U.S. like that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, inexplicable. Yeah. Maybe we're um, best friends now. Andrew, see, hey, Blonde, anytime you're stressed, just deep breathe and wish all the grabblers away like dust in the wind. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> No one on this show hate, is jaywoke. Hate in that heart. So much hate. Uh, John says, I'm just going to say that if you can't imagine Putin doing something something like this to benefit himself, I'll just remind you that we once trained people to fly that didn't care to learn how to land planes. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, that's why I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to definitively definitively rule anything out. I, I recognize that I certainly have some biases that are going to. Um, that are going to make, I'm just going to tend to believe certain things over other, uh, over others because of the nonstop sequence of corruption and lies and so-called conspiracy theories coming true that I, I naturally apply that lens to this mm-hmm. one too. So I don't want to come off as like uh, totally letting uh, Putin off the hook or as though he can't do any wrong. I just don't, I just don't, I just don't see it in this case. I don't understand the motive, but maybe yeah. they'll explain it to me better. Too much would be lost. Probably Robin D. Banks first, True and American army. Wait, what? Why do I always read that like it's a racial slur? It's not, right? You probably just can't say trans. I don't know if Susan allows that or not. Army officer selling health secrets to Russia at the outset of a war. Another glass ceiling shattered. Chalk this up as a win to the LGBTP community. Yeah. <laughs> General grievance. Odd ain't it that the underwater crimes are on the rise since the discovery of black mermaids. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is that an original? That is That's so a, funny. Oh my God. <laughs> Lummox. Kamala got a Godzilla neck. True. Does it's she? True, eh? I, I didn't, I didn't notice. And she I don't have the really does. It looks anymore. like a scaly dinosaur neck. It's not the size. It's the, the texture. It's the size and the texture, yeah. Dinosaur neck. Oh, uh, no, Robert no, I'm Lockhart. Curious. I'm going to look it what up. What do you wait. call the statute of limitations on someone being called trans or a cross-dresser? The cutoff date. Ayo. They're, they're on fire tonight. My I God. Totally. Knuckle hunky buck. The world has been completely destroyed, but there are only a few dozen survivors. But gas prices are down to $0 a gallon. What a head scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Now you're understanding the logic. Long time. Now you John. get it. To be honest, I hope Putin blew up his own pipeline. If the U.S. did it in a false flag operation and Russia can show it, we're staring down the barrel of World War III. I hope your bunker is well stocked. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, and this is uh, an effort to provoke violence in a very drastic and terrible way. Sean Um, Garvey, there's good evidence that the Supreme Court leaker sabotaged Nord Stream 2. We should find out any day now. That's true. It's been a couple weeks since since, uh, Gorsuch was saying we're going to find out who the... uh, who the Supreme court leaker was, by the way, uh, I pulled up the article, uh, the photo that I had on screen to evaluate. Well, let me zoom in any more than this, but that is, yeah. I mean, you got that, that wrinkly texture, but you got these like nasty cross wrinkles. Yeah. Could you read some of these? I got to Google this. Yeah. You got to, what are you looking for? Kamala's neck. Kamala Harris's or, neck. Yeah. All right. I'll just leave it up for a second so people can evaluate for themselves. Let's see. Who did you leave up, leave off on? Jonathan Prezios is next. Okay. Remind oh, me yeah. that we're going to have to come back to Tippy Stream because I have some Tippy Stream chats too. So don't let me forget. Okay. 
Oh, this Jonathan. is terrible. Okay, Jonathan says, I don't know if you guys know about the Chris Chan story or not, but I recently heard that the woman in instigating Chan to F his mom was a fed or is the daughter of a fed. I don't know anything mm. about that story. Do you? Uh, <laughs> N word, F word. I don't care what the lawn signs say. I'm real and I'm incredible. Also, <laughs> I can't say that. He's making, oh, that's a tippy stream one. So that's how he was able to say it. Um, he's he's speculating about who did 9-11 and I, <laughs> I can't do you that. can't talk about that. Colton Regal says, uh, my pet peeve with the Patriot was the soldiers looking away when firing their guns. If you're in the battle line under fire, the last thing you want to do uh, is looking away from the guys shooting you. I guess I didn't notice that, but I, I suppose that could be the case. Thank you, Colton. Uh, Aaron. Double A, Ron. The only argument I've heard for the pipeline being hit by Russia that makes sense is to stop the oligarchs from stringing Putin up to get those sweet uh, Deutsche Mark flowing again. That being the money? Yeah. Sweet, sweet Deutsche Mark. I assume he means German money or what, am, yeah, what are yeah, we talking yeah. about yep. here? Okay. Deutsche Mark, yeah. Uh, all right. I think uh, that's all I have on YouTube. Or are there oh, more? we have one more. Did you do yeah. Esoterica Unbound? No. Because Joe sees dead people. Jeez, people, do you actually watch these movies? Ah, other than for the computer animation and Mel's ass. Uh, no, there I watch go. movies 100% for even movies that don't have Mel Gibson in them. I'm like, you know, maybe I'll see Mel Gibson's ass in this movie. I've never seen The Sixth Sense. However, I am the familiar enough to know that it is about seeing dead people, as the famous line says. So I, your joke was one step too advanced for me. I'm sorry. But thank you for clarifying. Uh, we have one more on YouTube. Preston Oshenhurt says more BYU stuff. I don't know if anyone cares. I do. I certainly care, but I think it's funny. During the uh, Oregon game two weeks ago, a five-star QB recruit left the game after the F the Mormon ch- F the Mormons chant due to the fact that he's also a Mormon. So they had a major quarterback recruit to Oregon who was in attendance. Weird. And he said, fuck you guys, I'm out. And now they don't get him because he's Mormon. Is that true? Wow. Mm. That's hilarious if uh, if that's how that's that played true. out. Let me uh, get uh, our tippy, tippy stream uh, chats here. Phil says, America's foreign policy is run by paper Americans with an axe to grind. And I'm tired of us pretending it's not. Blinken, Garfinkel, and the rest have enjoyed using Americans as cannon fodder against our enemies. We need to be honest about who rules us. Well... That is uh that is a spicy that's a spicy chat, Phil. On brand as usual. Let's see. Uh Trav to the World says, seriously, one possible explanation for Russian sabotage could be oligarchs who are losing money without the pipeline pressuring Putin. If that's the case, Putin might have blown the line to show resolve or undermine the possibility of restarting it. Yeah, I suppose. Maybe I don't understand uh the level of uh power that these people may have over Putin. That's certainly not an area where yeah. I know a lot of things. So maybe that's the explanation. Uh, thanks for the info. Aaron says, do you guys have a favorite decade or other time period for music? I don't know. I mean, uh, when I was in high school, that was like the mid two thousands. So that tends to be when a lot of the, a lot of my favorite music came around. Um, but these days, like I've yeah. said, I can't, it's like every, musical artist I used to listen to. I can't follow anymore because they insist on posting politics everywhere. I don't know. Just try to ignore it. Early nineties had some good stuff. That was like what tool typo negative. Hmm. Alison Krauss heart had some stuff. That was seventies, eighties though. 
I don't know. Are they talking about like in our lives or like the music we were li- the decade the music doesn't we were doesn't say in oh. your lives. So any decade or time period is fair game. Thank you, Aaron. It appears the uh, Biden vote counting a uh, Biden vote counting method is being utilized in Brazil this evening. Same late bump. And with Antony Blinken congratulating Brazil on their democracy, it looks like the same fortification. I know that Bolsonaro is on the ballot tonight, but I, did, I don't know more than that. So are you saying it's going sideways? I'll yeah. have to check on that. Of course, I don't know anything about Brazilian politics, but I will always admire Jair Bolsonaro for responding to coronavirus by saying we have to stop being a country of faggots. That was he did say that. <laughs> uh, so awesome. And then like was, the translation, because we went through the translation on yeah. the show or something, and it was like legit. There's like some Portuguese word for like, like douchey fairy queen or something. Like that. <laughs> the, the translation <laughs> yeah. was legit. I remember like, we investigated. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, you know, for all I know, Jair Bolsonaro is an outright communist. But if you're willing to stand up to Corona tyr- tyranny and say we have to stop being a country of faggots, uh, I will consider voting for you if I have the option. I don't know. I think he might be a great man. I know hardly anything about him. I just know that basically. Uh, N word, F word. I already got knuckle, knuckle. Why can I never say it? Knuckle, hunky, buck. In a sweet, ironic way. It's actually kind of hilarious that because of GoFundMe, minorities are now getting paid to write slurs about themselves and smash and burn their own shit. (laughs) That is maybe GoFundMe's primary business model i suppose yeah. matt who are worse uh jogger this is from weirdo loner peterson who are who are weirdo loner for peterson who are worse joggers or cyclists are we talking in the literal sense here or metaphorically i don't really have a problem with uh i bet cyclists commit more road crime but joggers commit more gun crime well are we talking like are we talking like the the joggers like the memphis lady who was abducted and killed or joggers like the jogger who killed and abducted the memphis jogger oh wow he's got real meta with it what kind of jogger are we talking when i about? hear joggers i just assume everybody's talking about black people right? it's a now a de facto racial slur for sure okay we're not talking um <laughs> so what i'm i'm caught I, 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 then i'm trying to evaluate who's worse an entire race of people or cyclists is that what i'm being asked here yes cyclists obviously what kind of question is this you know how i'm going to answer that question the i'm not in favor of class-based judgments except for cyclists all should be judged on the spot all right let me uh refresh here and we have john over on youtube says benefits for blowing up the pipeline uh that wasn't making any money he now has more rhetoric to spew about how he will Uh, How that will help lagging support for the invasion, increased military recruitment for Putin is the speculation here. I don't know. I I, I wonder um, anytime anybody in Russia sends me an email or anybody who knows a thing or two about Russia, I always ask them for like the Russian perspective on the war. What what would persuade you to join Putin's army to go fight in Ukraine? Would that be it? Like a pipeline? Would that actually be persuasive to? fighting age men in russia i don't know i'm don't know. not even asking rhetorically i have no idea i but i appreciate uh offering the theory i think we're all set are we good uh yeah and we're good on uh d live as well thank you guys uh watching over on d live all right well uh anything else before we get out of here no good show thanks for coming guys all right coming along on the ride 
Thank you, uh, one and all, for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for your chats. Thank you for your jokes. Thank you for your support for the show as well. It is very much appreciated. And if you're tuning in later on demand, thank you kindly as well. I appreciate you. If you're looking for more to listen to, if you can't get enough, you're in luck because there's extra material over in the uh, audio platforms of the show. They are linked in the description and over on the website as well. Look for the podcast page. That's mattchristensenmedia.com. We have the call-in show replay. We have extra interviews, all sorts of material you might not find on YouTube on the audio platforms. Speaking of the website, if you're looking for anything else show-related, you want to pick up a t-shirt, you want to send us a message, you just want to find the show, mattchristensenmedia.com is the place to do it. We'll be back next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd, it is not. Need the press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night. Thank you.